Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome everyone to the uh, the last May Pat's birthday month CU podcast Tuesday May twenty eighth two thousand nineteen. It's just the last CU podcast. We haven't told anyone yet. ever. Ever. Yep. Man, this is it. We were listening. We're listening to the internet alongside Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Constry. We'll be talking about lots of fun stuff. The play date portable. Uh, the next uh, Call of Duty game. We keeping that one on the roster or no? No. But that one's gone. That one's gone. Okay, it's out. No, okay, we'll go over it in the intro. A uh, game we just ordered now recognized, uh, according to the World Health Organization, as an illness. Uh, undumped Famicom game sells for almost 14000 The State of Retro Game Collecting 2019 update uh, and more tells in the game store your Q&A. Ian, how was your uh, Memorial Day barbecue, the one I wasn't at? Good. Hey, you had the opportunity to be there. Well, uh, it was just a half-hearted. Come by for a beer later. You told me you had already eaten. You couldn't. That you I were working three. for six hours. I, I told three. you the day before that you were supposed to come over. I, I, and, I, you know, I have a backyard at Castle Country that people can come over. Maybe, maybe a mutual friend named Thomas that you didn't let me know was coming down. We could have hung out, but that's all right. Keep Thomas to yourself. You anyway, were invited. Anyway, you were Ian, invited. What did I don't you cook? know what more what you want did me you to cook? do besides throw what? you over my shoulder and uh, take you to my house. Uh, what, what did you, what did you cook, Ian? Uh, carne asada that I used for, um, quesadillas, uh, okay. and then Lincoln did burgers and I did grilled corn on the cob. Okay. I would have enjoyed that. Did you yeah, you would have. That's why you were invited. Did you use my Bloodsport shirt to start the fire? Like just light it up and no. it to light the charcoal? No, I, well, I, what I did use it for was the smoke signals because apparently you need five invites to come over. It's not five, you know, <laughs> I like Thomas. I, if I know Thomas was coming. I would have showed up to say, said hi. Uh, that's all right. Um. Uh, speak, speaking of a f- uh, fire, <laughs> fire, a certain Super Nintendo guidebook's available at ultimatesnes.com. You can pre-order it, or you can pre-order the third uh, print of the NES one, which is currently out of pr- print. Don't pay the scalpers a hundred dollars like last time. Remember last time that person got paid a hundred bucks? Uh, yeah. Uh, for my book on eBay, wait, it'll be back out in the summer. Wait for it. It'll be worth worth the wait. The third print run. What does your book have to do with fire? I don't know. I just had to work it in. Oh. People are like, Pat, you mentioned your book every every video. No, every podcast I mentioned every video. Um did you uh did you watch AEW, All Elite Wrestling, the first no, event, I double did. or nothing? I did not. But I heard I heard that the Dusty um Cody match was good. That's that was basically the takeaway I got from the people I talked to. So so um AEW or some wrestling, they're the upstart. The upstart uh, American wrestling organization started by really the elite. Uh, the Young Bucks, uh, say, Cody the, Rose, the young Bucks Adam Page. You were, but actually the tag team as well. Yes. Uh, and then uh, uh, my pal, Kenny Omega. Um, they, they all, all their contracts with New Japan were up after January. They're always up after January after, after Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and then they said, you know what? We're going to start our own wrestling thing. We're going to do it in the U.S. We have the knowledge. They probably built their knowledge, obviously, over the past few years being in, in uh, well, Cody's only been there for like a year and a half at New Japan. 
they did their their all in pay, all one off pay per view with Ring of Honor last year when those guys mm-hmm. independent event and that did very well. People said, "Oh, that's not going to do well." It sold out. Yeah, this sold out almost instantly as well. So this was the second one, right? <clears throat> First for all elite, but they did right. They oh, did they, all they in. Just did all, all in, in was just a generic yeah, right. one. Okay, that's using, what I was trying to remember. Using talent from yeah, all yeah. over. They had like that's a little right. bit of New Japan. I think they they had Ring of Honor guys. They had indie guys. But this is their new new fed. This right. is like we have people signing long term contracts. Jericho is signed to a long term contract. Uh, other people are signed to long-term contracts. Like How old is Jericho now? 40, 48. Jesus Christ. Okay. So, so yeah, basically he can still go. He can still wrestle well. Um, he's, his psychology is brilliant. So um, from I, I saw bits and pieces. I did not see all of it. From The review I saw was really good. Ian said he saw mixed reviews here and there. People obviously wanted to succeed because WWE right now is trash. That's the, the the nicest way I can put it. Well, I feel like there's I feel like there's almost it's hard for me to read the opinions I've seen and feel like there's anyone who's just trying to enjoy it for what it is. It's tough to be objective. It, it, it feels like everyone who watched it either has the agenda already in them that this is going to be amazing or this is going to be trash. Sure. I I, I honestly I haven't read anything that sounds well, like a truly honest review of it. It's all. We're going to shit on everything but the Dusty match, or we're going to say everything was great? Well, I heard the the, the, the Omega-Jericho match was, 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 was yeah, pretty good. Dusty. Was pretty good. Yeah, Dusty. Yeah. Rest in peace, Dusty. God, that really hit me hard. Um, that the Jericho the Jericho main event match against um, Kenny Omega was, was to decide the number one contender along with the Battle Royale. Battle Royale did that as well, which, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was Adam Page, who's grown by leaps and bounds the past couple of years. Like he's a really, really good wrestler. Um, so that'll decide, I guess it'll be, it'll be Jericho versus Adam page in the next event in a month. So basically, um, they have backing. AEW is going to be on TNT in the fall weekly wrestling show, which is pretty big news. And TNT was like pushing it. They pushed this event on their Twitter. They were promoting this. So they're like all in with this. When was the last time we had a new wrestling show? Whenever TNA came on, yeah, because there was Lucha Underground, but I heard Lucha Underground played out more like a TV. That's show. That's like a TV show with season. Okay. It doesn't yeah. count. That's yeah. not like a weekly sort of thing. You know, fifty-two weeks a year. Gotcha. So that would be whenever TNA went off. There, remember TNA had their weekly ten-dollar pay-per-views when yeah. they started, like two thousand, whatever it was, two thousand three or four. Um, and then weekly they, ten-dollar pay-per-views. Yeah, that's how that's how TNA started. Remember when it was, when it was NWA TNA? That was two thousand two, I believe. Or oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Wow. there were ten-dollar weekly pay-per-views. And then they went to a TV, uh, I think, about a year or so after that, less than a year. So, like, 2004, 2005. But TNA has fallen so off, off the radar that I don't even track it. I, I didn't think it was even happening still. It's happening, I think. It's, <laughs> it's, but here's the deal. WWE is in bad shape. Not financially, because they have, you know, Saudi blood money, and they, and they do their tours around the U.S., and they have uh, their stock is up. But their ratings, TV ratings, are down 20%, I think, year over year from the past year and i i've officially stopped watching every five or six years or so i i go off of wrestling this is the cycle after wrestlemania i'm off i have zero interest now in w i just don't i've been off for i I think three years again now and the thing is is i actually want to watch wrestling but i can't bring myself to watch the wwe shit it's just bland there's no direction and from all reports is that it's because of vince mcmahon changing things and doing whatever he wants well that's been the story for forever but now He's become older and older. He's 73. He's become more out of touch with things. So now, like, when they have Brock win the money in the bank, and people are like, you got to be fucking kidding. We're, we're done with this Brock shit. He's been the, the face of the company the last three, four years, along with the Reigns, and this is what happens. There's no big stars anymore because it's just been Reigns and, and Brock and no one else. And now this is why it's suffering and that you haven't used t- talent properly, and people get pissed and they leave. Sasha Banks is sitting on the sidelines. She wants out. 
Uh, Luke Harper wants out. They won't let him out of his contract. You know, it, it's just it's just a bad situation with some of these guys. Dean Ambrose wanted out. He hates it. And now he's John Moxley, his original persona in AEW. And that was huge. That was a huge coup. A huge coup. It was a crowd went nuts. It got major was he in the, I knew press. He, I knew he appeared, but was he in He the, appeared at the end, and he, and he beat up Jericho. He oh, beat up, he beat up okay. Omega. He DDT Jericho and started a feud with Omega. He nice. took out Omega. And JR was going nuts like it was like Raw 99. So like, <laughs> oh my God, oh, get the EMT. Because he, he, uh, he uh, threw Omega off of these awesome, they had these awesome uh, casino chips, like these giant ones mm-hmm. on the side of the set. The set was great. The production sounds like it went pretty well for this first event. And he threw Omega off of like the 15-foot thing. And he, you hear JR go, oh my God, get the EMT. You know, so. So I'm excited just because you need an alternative. This is airing more on the side of pro wrestling versus sports entertainment it's, it versus WWE where it's sports entertainment 80% and then a little bit of wrestling. The first match on Raw last night, I read the reports, didn't start until 47 minutes in. The first match on Raw, 47 minutes in. On a wrestling show. How long is Raw? Three hours. So I think SmackDown's going to turn to three hours as well. And they... And, on a three-hour Raw, you'll be lucky if you get five matches in three hours. You get five matches usually. I remember over the three days hours. of three-hour Nitros where they were just the undercard was just packed. Yeah, the other on a three-hour Nitro, you got like ten to twelve matches. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's roll them out. Come on. I mean, towards the end, it it, it got it, bad it, with it, the Russo stuff. Yeah, but. it changed, you know, more to be like what it is now. But for the first. Yeah, for the first few years of WCW, until like ninety-eight heightened 99. popularity. Yeah, I, I would say until ninety-nine. Yeah, you, early I mean, ninety-nine. Even as it started to change, you still got undercard matches. You, you still got, got good lucha matches. You got you got yeah. cruiserweight matches. You got tag matches. And WWE has spit all over their tag division the past years. Just they just spit on it. They don't give a shit about tag match and tag wrestling is very important because it's a art in a pub in a pub it's in a in itself, but. It's a good way to use talent that can't fit into the normal, you know, grind of the one-on-one matches. I love, I love tag wrestling, but you cannot, you can't just throw people together in a team with nothing no. and call them a team, which is what WWE often does. The there was a small period there with NXT, especially where they really were. It seemed like they were trying to build up tag tag, tag teams. teams, and if they weren't like standalone tag teams. They would at least work people together often enough so that there was chemistry, a story. Yeah. I, I, I really hate it when it's like, and this tag team match is random X and random yeah. Y versus, you know, yeah, W it's... and Z. I, give them a team name. Like, like, give me a reason to fight for them as a team. Yeah. So for all, for all these reasons, plus I think this is going to, they're going to let wrestlers be themselves. And that's something WWE has not done. Right. They don't do that. They don't let guys, okay, we know, what are you good at? Go do that. That's one of the reasons Dean Ambrose famously was fed off, fed up, and, he, and they left. They kill, they destroyed his heel turn was terrible in the fall, and he was he was fed up, and he doesn't feel like he can be himself and be a little bit a little bit wild, go off a little bit, and that's what's going to happen. I think in AEW, they're going to trust the talent to lead the way, and that's what Vince has not done, and that's why people are not watching more, and that's why I'm not watching. I I don't even DVR anymore. I just don't. It, used to be, it went from me DVR and sort of fast forward to most. Now that I don't need a DVR. I'm not. I'm just not interested. I tuned into WrestleMania as like the first event I had watched in probably a year. It was a chore. Last WrestleMania, chore. and I was like, I don't need to do this. <laughs> it was a chore. Yeah, it was. WrestleMania was a chore. I'm good. But uh, yeah, and plus these are young, hungry guys, and they have uh, uh, heavy money backing. This is not going to go out of business before the TBD deal. Um, they got people signed long term, and uh, 
competition is good for everyone because I'm not saying that they're, they're going to take over WWE. They're not. They're going to take a market share from them potentially. And then the shareholders will say, what's going on? We have to change things. And Vince, get the fuck out of the way and let Triple H run it. Yeah. Be better. Because Triple H is running NXT. Supposedly that's, that's the crown jewel of WWE right now. Those guys come up, though, to the main roster and don't do shit. EC3, Ian. EC3, a world-class talent, is relegated to back backstage segments since he's come up they've done absolutely jack shit with him oh. he, he was the tna world champion he was you know a big guy in nxt he comes up to the main roster and does absolutely nothing and, and you can tell he's miserable i vani and i and that was the thing like when nxt came i got vani in, into it and she was really into it and i was getting really into it again but then we hot st- and bothered but then we started to see all of those wrestlers get called up sammy Zayn was the one that killed her killed it for her was she loved them and they never wrote him into anything she was just like well if they're gonna make a guy someone that you want to root for they've eventually got to make a pay i mean it was just it was interesting to see a, it, it was interesting to see a very clean perspective on it she's like i don't want to watch this if there's no payoff to me being a fan behind these yes. these characters and i was like yeah i get it she's like it's fun to watch it in the <laughs> ring but she's like I, I need to see something else did happen. you hear about the tweet that triple h liked and then deleted it like within a couple hours no what was it someone posted because because vince mcmahon on these board board meetings on the phone these phone board meetings they do he's like well it's because the big stars are gone that's why ratings are down and someone wrote no vince it's not the big stars there's no coherent stories or 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 reason to care for these wrestlers and triple h liked that response tweet i don't know if he did it by accident but he did and people screenshot it just and they immediately got it. like yeah <laughs> yeah vince well you see what people don't want it you know that's my triple h impression but um yeah i love pro wrestling i want it to succeed obviously i want to watch it but i want an entertaining venue and i i'm really gonna push hard for AEW, and you should want it to succeed don't be a homer and just say oh well, they're the minor leagues you, the more competition the better yes the better the more alternatives of pro wrestling the better not 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 monopolies monopolies suck for everything in the world that's capitalism all right any anything else going on in this uh this intro besides you not bringing me any any food from the barbecue no okay moving on all right ian patrick uh, there's a big page break here. So there was an announcement on, on Twitter. You were excited. I, I This caught my eye. It's the Playdate Portable handheld console announced, Ian. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. So the Playdate is a uh, it's a new portable. It's coming out. It's by Panic. Um, Panic, I don't know much about their Macintosh or iOS software, but I do know that they started publishing games. Firewatch was uh, critically acclaimed, and Untitled Goose Game is coming this year, and I'm actually looking forward to Untitled Goose Game. The, 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 people, that did, the people that did Firewatch. Uh, they're the people who published it. They published it. They okay. published it. So, But apparently they have 20 years' experience also doing Mac and iOS stuff that I was unaware of. Okay. So what they're putting out is a small... Um, pocket black size. and white portable. Uh, it's got two buttons, the crosshair, a uh, cross pad, um, D-pad, D-pad, and uh, a crank on the side of it. A metal crank, a little spinny crank. And there's rivets on the on the edges of the of the console as well, like metal rivets. Yep. Um, the design is very sleek and nice looking. As a matter of fact, the first, speakers on the side and metal. First time I looked at it, I said, "Oh, that looks like a teenage engineering product." And sure enough, teenage engineering is doing the design. So what have what have they done before? Teenage, teenage engineering, engineering. If you go to their website, they do. Um, they are mostly known for synthesizers. Okay. They do pocket synthesizers that look like calculators. Uh, I have a bunch of those. They do the. They made the OP one 
which is a very fun synthesizer to mess around with. Um, Been around since 2005, according to their Wikipedia. They've done the OPZ. Uh, they've made yeah, speakers. They, basically, they do a lot of very neat... Um, I should have brought my OP1 OP, over to show OP1, you. OP1, which is a, a synth. OP Lab, OD11. OD11 is a speaker. Op Lab is a uh, MIDI interface. The OP1. The, the Frequenz designed for IKEA. I'm not sure what that is. So, anyways, they're a, they're, <laughs> they're a great design company that is known for making electronics, usually with music involved. But okay. they've actually put games like the OP1 has a little helicopter game. You can oh, really? Unlock, you can unlock you it. You should have brought it over. And then you play it with the, the knobs. Oh, that It's be... impossible, but it's still oh, amusing. Oh, um, They're OP. Uh, their PO series, the little pocket ones, have like segmented LCD displays. So Anyways, this is, so, this is well-made stuff, so, well-engineered. Yes, usually known for being a, a bit overpriced, but very, very oh. well-made stuff. For instance, the OP1, and I'm assuming this as well, is like one tooled piece of aluminum. You know, like it's it's well-made. From from my past synth experience, while wow, going back in college, when I used to price them out because I bought a couple... Whenever you bought them from like the you know the ones that came out of Europe, they were more expensive. Sure, you know. So, anyways, back on the play date though. So, um, it, it it looks nice. It's made by it's being designed by a company that's got uh, two companies that have uh, time in the game as you were. There's no reason to not trust these companies. They've put out products that have been successful. Yeah, I, I would I would at least trust them. On it's that. not a Kickstarter. No, it's not a Kickstarter. It's 150 bucks. Um, 150 bucks. 150 bucks. Isn't that nice? Isn't that... <laughs> I uh, and um, what? How the games are going to be is there's a uh, they're going to do it in seasons. So they've gotten a hold of people. Uh, names are slipping me right now, but the um, so no carts. No, no carts. Okay. Uh, the um, Keita Takahashi, who did uh, uh, Katamari Damacy, uh, Zach Gage, who did stuff like Spell Tower. Um, and then I don't know who these people are, unfortunately. Bennett Foddy and Sean Inman. Um, they're all making small games for this system. And in a season, say there's 12 weeks, so the first season is 12 games, one will be released each week and will show up on your system. So you'll get a constant drip over a season of you, new games. You get alerted with a, with a notification, right? Yep. A little light. I believe it's a light, yeah. You get alerted with some sort of notification. Um, for instance, so they don't have to use the crank, um, but the crank is a very teenage engineering addition. Um, some games will just use the buttons, some will just use the crank, some will use both. The one that they're showing here appeals, appears to be, um, I think this is the one that Keita Takahashi is doing. Uh, it's like a time traveler one where it looks like you move the character by moving the crank. Forwards when, or back? Forwards or back, and when you stop, they stop. So we'll have to see what happens. Right now it shows the Tin Man running, picking up, looking at a flower, uh, and then it runs forward a little bit more, and, and then, I believe it gets suplexed by a yeah, woman. she hugs a, a woman who's, who, who suplexes her. <laughs> so, that's happened to me a couple times, not going to lie. So while I think it's very interesting and very cool, there are a couple things that I'm a bit concerned about well, with well, it. Let's we'll just go over a couple more things. Okay. According to this, it's 12 brand new video games, one each week. This is going to be early 2020. It's going to ship. Yep. What are these games? They're keeping the games a secret. And we can talk about that. Some, it says some are short, some are long, some are experimental, some traditional, all are fun. When your play date lights up with a brand new game delivery, we hope you can't wait to unwrap your gift. There's so much more to come. But this is all the information we have right now, though. Yes. And it's going to be $149, as you said, $150. Bucks. So what, are, what are your potential issues here, Ian? 
Well, one, I can't tell if there's a backlight on the screen. doesn't look like it. I heard some people say that there isn't. Well, we'd have to see about that. It seems silly to me that there wouldn't be. I can't imagine in 2020 not having yeah. a backlit console. However, um, my concerns are this. So it's 150 bucks. Um, I like the season idea. Um, but I think for what it is and for the amount of interest people may hold in it long term, I think 150 is kind of it's it's borderline two um we already kind of have something like this it's called the ardu boy uh this has been oh it's right this is i mean it's not as beefy or robust but my question is for me the ardu boy is 50 i have one and i use it a lot we talked about this in the podcast in the past the ardu boy ever I don't think so. Well, we might have because I bought. I mean, I started. I bought mine two years ago in okay. Portland, and uh, I've been using it since. And that's a small one, right? <laughs> Very small. It's, it's literally business card sized and can fit in a business card. Oh Jesus! Here. Okay, so oh, this looks cool. If what the goal of this is is to provide a small, you know, fun game experience when you need one, um, there's already something that can do that out there, but cheaper. And there's more games. And there's over 100 games for it. And those are developed, uh, those are just the the, the community developing those? Community developed, I don't think there's any that you pay for. I think it's all open. And that's that's how much is the Ardu Boy? 50. 50 bucks. Okay. I think I'm going to pick one up. I don't think I was aware of this. Really? We showed it to (laughs) you. I think you showed it to me, but Portland doesn't count. I'm I'm out of it. So, anyways... um, Open source too. Okay. It's and it's oh yeah, it's it's blown wide open. However, it's not as accessible or easy to use as they're saying this is. There, it's not tricky, but you do need to have to learn how to load like a game onto the Ardu Boy and stuff like that. Okay, it's not that hard. You download uh you know Arduino IDE on your computer and then you it's a USB. You, you download a loader. Yeah, it's a good USB little guy. Mm-hmm. It's business so, card size. You got to show me this. So, so this is so this is more to me this. There's, okay, there's not, already basically there's already something like it, and it hasn't reached mainstream. If this is going to reach mainstream, and it seems like it's going to, it's, it's got going a lot of, to, it's got a lot of buzz. It's going to, to be on the the excellent marketing that it's getting. Yes, and that's also I, so. There's this is, there's that issue. This is in a weird area of tech toy. It's in between a video game console and tech toy. It's not to me a video game console yet. The life of this thing is uh, is it's going. I think it really needs to be open. I think it needs to be open source. Well, you need more. You need a get. First of all, you need a guarantee that these twelve games are going to be on it. Because what happens if the, if the dev on a few of these games just goes under? Oh, I think they did now. already. I think. Oh, they're all done. I, I think the first season is in the bag, but they're not telling people about them. See, that's the thing, though. We, we got to know what these games are before this comes out. No, I don't think you do. That, I think you do. That, I mean, at 150 uh, that's not the market. The market for this it's is... It's a tech market. ...is people who want to be surprised by little okay. bite-sized stuff. Then this is going to be a niche product. It just, well, it'll, it'll remain a niche product. It'll, it'll sell well for, for that, but it won't blow up. You know, uh, it, once people have it and start talking about it, though, then it would probably get... You know, I mean, you uh, only have to wait and not know what the games are for 12 weeks after it comes out. And then everyone's going to know it's on season twelve, and then you can make that decision. But if that's if you part want. of the fun, knowing that the game's coming out, this, like I said, this to me is a tech toy. This is not to me well, like a game console. I'm in agreement in with sense. you there. It is. It's it's um, it's more of a toy, less of a portable it's cool, gaming set, but uh, console. I'm not on board with this. I'd be on board with with the uh, the fifty dollars Ardu Boy. So you know that's what I'm, that's to me that's more where I'm at because you know you have you have a list of games that you know about and plus you don't know if this isn't a success maybe that's all the games you get is twelve well yeah that's then, obviously then, it, a, then it's dead that's a concern too that's, it's a dead that, console after that that's one that I was going to as well that's why I think open source is necessary I have a feeling that 
much like teenage engineering stuff, I have a feeling this from Panic is going to sell very, very fast at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But unlike something like a synthesizer, I wonder... You know, you can keep making stuff on a synthesizer. You can keep finding new ways to create stuff. If there's only 12 games on this, that could be an issue at some point. Oh, I but I think some people at 150 will buy it and be like, what we get is fine. I, 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 it's, be, it's because of its weird marketplace that you could just look at it as a toy with 12 games on it. And, and that's never, it. And never do anything and, with it again. And be happy with it. Yeah, I think a lot of people might be going into it with that mindset. But that's not, that, that, again, that's a different market. That's people that have money to Oh, yeah, blow. The, the market. That's like, the, that's like, oh, we'll spend money on the Atari VCS because it looks cute, but we'll never use it. Yeah, it's, it's a video game system, but it's marketed to, it's marketed to a somewhat different audience. Yeah, but I'll tell you this, though. This is the way you do a modern console. Though. Oh, absolutely. This is the way you do it. It mm-hmm. isn't just, well, this is just another platform where you can get the same games on 18 other ways. Yeah. This is something where we have exclusive games. They're unique games because of the platform, and we have people on board ahead of time. Like, this is this is an angle that... And it got buzzed because of that. Just because of the fucking... There's no reason to put the crank on otherwise that this got buzzed because of the crank. You know, like, it got buzz because yeah. of that. Teenage Engineering does stuff like that all the time. Like, uh, you could buy a crank for the top, for the the knobs along the top of mm-hmm. the OP1, and then you could actually get, like, Lego connects and stuff and, like, connect Lego <laughs> gears to it and then turn it on and just, you could crank it to turn all the knobs at once. They it's just love, cool. They it's love just... putting little weird shit. Little gadgets? On there, because that that is. It's what, this would have gotten notice without the crank, but, but the, the crank... crank is what... Yes. The crank is like, why? why? You ask, why is there a, a game system with a crank on it? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So that's that's my biggest concern. Uh, Ian says it'll be fine with, if, if it's just 12 games and that's it. I think for the uh, market that's actually going to buy it, I, I honestly don't think they'll care if nothing else happens with if it. If it's just 150 games. bucks, it's a cool tech toy. And I know lots of people who won't buy it for that, but I think the people, what I'm trying at, I'm not saying you should want that or you, I'm that's saying, what you should, but I think the people who are actually going to end up buying this are going to be fine with it being a standalone piece of, a standalone conversation piece at worst. Gotcha. I'm just saying this limits your potential audience. It just does. Uh, because at $150, this is no longer, uh, well, Whatever, if it sucks, it sucks. This is an investment to a lot of people. One hundred fifty dollars is not a yeah. It's, it's not. It's not fifty bucks. It's not even. They said 80 it's bucks, not, not very cheap or but no. or very expensive. I think thinking that one hundred and fifty bucks for something like this it's is expensive to it, most people. I don't. I wouldn't mind paying it, but don't call that cheap. That's, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 no. The Ardu Boy uh, is cheap. A sixty dollars NES Classic is cheap. Yeah, an Ardu Boy at fifty. Yeah, once you cheap. get to like eighty bucks. I know the dollar, you know, I know with inflation, it's different than 80 bucks 20, 30 years ago. But once you get over $100, now we're into the realm of, oh, you can get some modern consoles for $200, you know, when they're re-released and different editions. And, you know, once you approach modern gaming prices, you know, this isn't like, I mean, I mean it's new engineering. But, for, again, this is, this, this is going to be like the analog uh, you know, systems where you'll, you'll constantly use in, with different games. If this is 12 games and you're done, then you have a really expensive Tiger L- LCD collection. It's a toy. That's what you have. But it's cool. I'm actually not more interested in the Ardu Boy. I'm not sure how I forgot about this. I, I, I must have seen it. You must have shown me this at some point. I did. Uh, Vani has one. Uh, trying to think. I think Rue bought one that year. 
A couple years ago? Yeah. Because I, I, I saw them there and I'd heard of them and I was like, I want this. And then I told everyone else about it and a few people went to go get it. Is that backlit? Uh, it's a black and white OLED screen. It's, okay. Yeah. All your graphics are white on black. So you don't need it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 bright. You it, can play Blackjack on it and a little little and little Zelda adventure games. Okay. I'm, I want this. There's little shooters and all sorts of neat stuff on it. I want I want the RG Boy. And we'll, and we'll see. I'm, I'm sure they're going to have to announce a couple of these games before the play date comes out or at least give you an idea. I don't think they're going to have people totally in the dark on these. I think that, well, I, I think for a lot of people who are buying this, though, um, the other thing is most people know at least a few of these... Uh, of the devs? Of the devs. And I think that's another thing that separates it from a normal game system is, like I said, the secret of the games and knowing the devs and knowing you've enjoyed their past games, I think is supposed to be honestly enough for, for the amount of people. The amount of these that they're going to make will sell. And I think... A couple thousand? Yeah, I mean, they said they had 70,000 people on their wait list. They ain't making 70,000 of these. I don't think. That'd be cool, but I don't think they are. So it's going to sell out fast. 5,000? 10? We'll see. Okay. But, um... I think it's going to be... I think it's always going to hold its own niche. Even if it comes out and flops, it's going to be something that people are going to want later. Sure. All right, moving on. Ian, we have a we have another article from award-winning journalist at Kotaku, Cecilia D'Anastasio. Ah, uh, yes. Does great work. Yeah, all of her articles are... I only had an issue with one of her article uh, in the past that we talked about. Was it the... It was the, 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 the game store. Yeah, complaining. that one was not That was good. off, Cecilia, but overall, you're, you're doing good work. No one's perfect. Jesus. Um, but... <laughs> The article is called Shady Numbers and Bad Business Inside the Esports Bubble. And uh, Miss D'Anastasio spoke to 17 people inside the esports, insiders of the esports industry. And this is a long article, and I encourage people out there to actually read through as much as you can. This will, this is like a Sunday morning read. One of those like, oh, let's have a cup of coffee and read through this. Sure. It's meaty. And we're going to try to summarize what's going on. But the TLDR of it is, is that there's an esports bubble. Um, the industry is not making money. It's being propped up by allegedly false viewing numbers, sponsors spending money and not getting uh, any on the return, and investors, angel investors, other investors who haven't seen a dime of their investment back yet. That's what it seems to be happening here. So money is being fed into a furnace and burned and nothing's yes. coming, but it's not producing anything. Esports players are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year of salary that is not supported by the, you know the industry that they're in does that make sense sure this happened in the nhl 15 years ago for example when they did the strike okay yeah yeah uh, players were getting paid contracts that like nba players were getting paid and nfl players were paid and uh but there wasn't money being brought into the league to support it, and that's why we lost an nhl season and was that 2003 or 4 or 5 yeah. whatever it was so this is an industry, though, that is not totally analogous to sports, just because with esports, you don't have long, rich traditions that get passed down yet. Esports is only like, say, like 15 years old, 20 years old, if you want to say that. And the popular games in esports will change either year over year or every three or four years. Um, there's very few that have remained constant. So when you take all this into account, 
you cannot say this is an analog to sports that start up because because we, we I, this says before baseball is the same sport it was uh, by and large a hundred years ago. Football is the same sport it was sixty years ago. Uh, basketball is the same sport it was seventy years ago. So you, you, it's a much stranger sort of business venture to sort of build upon where not only do you need capital to start it. You need capital to get tournaments going. Uh, the, the way physical sports started was, well, we all play in a field. Then we all organize. We don't need necessarily backers, but we're, we're gaining interest slowly. This is money in first, and hopefully the interest comes back out to support it later. Does that make sense? This isn't organic growth. Sure. And when you read this article, you have uh, people straight up saying that, well, they're trying to get sponsors based upon numbers of these events that are totally just false. It's it's been alleged in this article that Twitch's relationship to this cursed network of websites, they will put they will em, embed, in, embed 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 the embed the the embed, embed they'll embed my, <laughs> embed 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 they'll they'll embed the <laughs> the stream on all these smaller websites that you might a, a totally unrelated website you can just do a google search for i don't know anime chicks or whatever not that i've done that and it'll be playing in the corner that counts as a view even if you're not interacting with it so they're discovering that a lot of these reported a lot of these reported oh 200,000 people have viewed this event maybe it's only really under 100,000 and you might think it's not they're important. embedding false numbers yes they're embedding false numbers and the problem with that is that these are the numbers they might be bringing to potential investors and sponsors. Right. Popping okay. up saying, yeah, yeah. We, we, look, we got 250,000 people watching this event. That means you're, you're, you, know, you can advertise your product. You can be a sponsor of this tournament. You're, and a sponsor might buy, in, buy into that not knowing. The issue is that over years and years of time, if the sponsor is not seeing a return on their investment, there's no more sponsorship. We're not there yet, but we could be soon. And that's what this article gets at some of these issues we're seeing here. You can only fake it for so long before you're expected to make it, and they're not... This isn't necessarily a house of cards right now, esports, but, but it's exceeding... It, it's, 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 it's exceeding it's far longer than it... Or far larger it's, than it should be. The, the, the amount of interest versus the money being put into it is not, is not uh, equal. There's no correlation at this point. And sponsors probably are starting to figure this out slowly. Investors probably know, because it, for, if you're an investor... All you care about is, am I making my money back? And am I getting return on my investment? And if you're not at this point, after, say, you have money in this for 8, 9, 10 years, you want to say modern esports, like 10 years or so, something like that, you're going you're gonna to be like, what the fuck? I'm not putting any more money in because this is bullshit. And now everyone knows about it. So we are approaching, I think, this where I'm not saying this is going to blow up and you won't see any more esports ever again. But I think you're going to see a contraction. You're going to see it come back down to earth to match the interest and the money together, so that it can grow, so that it can grow more organically, and you don't have these puffed up, uh, 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 you know, numbers of people watching these events and and people bragging about, oh, well, esports. There's more people watching these esports than the, the Super Bowl, and it's like, well, really, really, yeah. yeah. And, and and the problem with that issue as well was I don't think the article talked about. Uh, is that there's a big difference in terms of numbers of viewers when it comes to sponsorships and businesses is that 
it doesn't matter necessarily how many people are watching it. How many people are watching your event that have the power to purchase products? Right. It's not. Yeah. It's what is the buying audience? Not what is the, the buying the, power yeah, of the audience? Not the total if you audience. have 50,000 people, uh, if you have 50,000 people watching an esports event, but half of them aren't 18 years old yet. That means they don't have money necessarily to buy the products that are being advertised, to buy the gaming rigs that are sponsoring the event, to buy the LCD monitors, to buy the headset. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're 35 watching it, you have the money to do that. And so that's why it's always it's always been like the coveted or whatever. It's like the you know the the, the males 24 to whatever it was, it was like 21 to 34 was always the coveted in radio like range of that's what I un- you know, always understood. Th- that was the coveted audience. So. Um, it's it's cool to say that yeah we're gonna make an esports venue. We talked about it out, you know in Philly, um, but that's if, an example. That's a perfect example of where we said like, well, is this gonna be able to hold its own weight? Is it, they're gonna be able to make their money back? Because a discussion in the article was that even in in physical sports, the venues themselves never make a return on their investment. You spend a billion or two dollars, you don't make your money back. Where you make your money back is sponsorships and TV deals and merchandise. And things of that nature, but you don't have that built up. You don't have that that buying power fan base built up in esports yet. You just don't. I wonder, and I I read most of it, but I don't remember it's seeing this. I wonder what the. I feel like fighting game stuff. People who play fighting games for money, if you, you can call that esports, um, I feel like that's kind of a separate on its own thing aside from because that's grown fairly organically I, I was right say, that's grown organically um that has been pushed by like overwatch league where the people making the game evo has the league evo i mean i don't know conflicts of interest i don't know but evo seems like it's doing just fine sure. but evo kind of exists you know it's a yearly tournament it's not really a esports league no but that fighting game tournament scene I don't know. It seems to be doing something different or better than I would say the rest of esports because it it grew. What you see those videos on YouTube from like when they were, you know from twenty years ago, you know, people were competing. You know, yeah, sitting in the you know the back of a, so a that, laundromat playing. So that grew more like a traditional sport right. where you play baseball in, in a, you know a barn field. You organize locally. You grow up. You grow over a decade and or it's, two. It's around an entire game genre. genre that where even if you don't know the game, you know kind of the mechanics carry. And it's not over. dependent upon one game. Right. And, and this article brought up something I've talked about before where you can't follow the casual person like me. I'm not even a casual. I'm into video games. Don't say anything. But <laughs> okay. I can't follow Dota, you know, and League of Legends. I can't follow it. Right. I can follow a fighting game. Just I, fine. I can follow fighting watch. games. I can I can follow first person shooters. See, even I for, for, but I could remember I brought up uh, watching um what what the, what the hell the, the one I just Overwatch about. yeah I, I could kind of follow right. the teams I can't follow these MOBA games I can't right and that's just because I'm old there's so much shit going on that if unless I'm trained in the game and I've played it long periods of time I'm never gonna catch on you can follow sports easily you can get into it you can follow fighting games because it's one guy hitting another it's simple yeah even if you don't understand the eccentricities uh, the, the uh, not the eccentricities the minute details of sports. You know that okay. This team has to get more baskets. This mm-hmm. team has to get more pucks in the net. Sure. So, how many people are, in actuality are watching these events on Twitch and online versus what's being reported by the people running the events? There's no in. There's no third party independent people reporting uh, the number of people watching. So, the people reporting the numbers are the people that have a vested interest in it succeeding. 
It's not like the Nielsen ratings were on TV where the Nielsen ratings are totally independent of the networks. So their numbers are real. They're third party. They're objective. Here, it could be Twitch reporting it or other people running the event. So it's in their best interest to fudge the numbers right. or outright falsify them with things like the embeds on the other websites where all of a sudden uh, in this article, like it, the numbers will double or triple because allegedly they paid uh, the curse network to all of a sudden embed them all on all these various websites that people are visiting, but they have no interest in watching the event. It's just playing in the quarter. They don't want to watch the embed. The embed, yes. The embed. <laughs> it's the accent on the word. If yeah. we keep saying embed long enough, it's going to be one of the... It's going to be fuck with us, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not going to... It's going to cease to have meaning. But, um, yeah, there's no, there's no way out of this. Once you get this deep with the amount of money involved, where unless sponsors... And investors of teams, and now you know people are now buying parts of teams as if they're sports teams. Or you can invest in, uh, you know, parts of teams and things like that. Nature, we're just—it just seems like we're not there yet. We're just not. This is like the NBA uh, in like the '30s, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, we're st- we're st- we're still getting the rules together of how this works. Can we make ma- money yet? This hasn't been we're changing pre- the peach buckets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever ever read about the old women's basketball where it was different you couldn't move you were just stationary no really? actually I did not know that yeah that, that was until like the 70s and, and some colleges even anyway sorry um, like fucking like, like playing ultimate a, frisbee you can take yes. two steps and then no, get yeah. rid of it um, but some they talked to one person that said yeah this isn't going to uh, be a bubble I want this to contract though I want the interest to match the money in here because if it doesn't the bottom then falls out yeah. of this. Um, I need to get my water. You need to get your water? Yes. All right, so I'll finish the topic. Ian, thanks a lot. You right couldn't back. wait till the end of the topic Sorry, for some reason. Um, this professional podcast. Uh, so, I'm literally going right here. <laughs> this is, this is, even at, at live events, that could be falsifying allegedly numbers. So uh, one source said that they, they, there was an event in Vegas where they said there were 10,000 attendees. Um but that was over the three day event. Uh so not at So that once. wasn't that wasn't ten thousand unique people. That was I was gonna say that's counting that was tri- returns. That too. was triple counting around three thousand people. You can't get away with that for too long. Yeah. You can't even do that at like video game conventions. You can't really fudge those numbers. Well because it's just pe- gonna come back. Because the people spending money, the sponsors find out, the vendors find out. If there's not a return on your investment, they're not going to come back. Right. Um, so I'm glad you brought up the, th- the thing about Evo because I think that's totally different, like you said. That's yeah, totally different. I wanted to, that's kind of the main thing I wanted to bring up was how different esports seems to be from the fighting game community, I guess. But there's still celebrities. There's still people who make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think it's kind of important to note that maybe they're not one and the same. So it sounds like Cecilia attended Overwatch League Grand Finals. At, it sold out at New York Barclays Center last year, 19,000-seat venue. So that was a good sign. Um, that's, the, that's Blizzard's event, obviously. Right. Uh, but then online, though, the, the finals were embedded across Reddit, IMDP, Gamepedia, and other websites. Embedded across Reddit. Yes. And then they said the live stream jumped from 100,000 to 300,000. It tripled. Those are not real viewers. Yeah, you can't you can't do this. But I think they're 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 
they're too they're too much into it money wise they think they have to they have to keep pumping the money in but that's what a bubble is though that's the definition you keep pumping in money more and more but the business doesn't support the money being pumped in yeah so I'm not saying I want this to fail but you this cannot continue this way you cannot pay out esports people uh, six figure contracts if they're not justified to get paid yeah, you can't give someone... WNBA uh, uh, players aren't paid that much money. They're, yeah. they're, you know, and, and women hockey players, because the league hasn't built up to support that yet, they're trying to get there, and they're throwing money at these kids. Yeah. Just throwing money at them. You can't pay these kids like they're... Well, kids, adults, whatever. You can't pay these people... Oh, young adults. You can't pay these people like they're professional sports stars just because you want it to look like professional sports. Yes. That doesn't work. And that's But that's where we're at. Yeah. It's all it's all image at this point, no substance. Right, anything else to add? Anything else you got out of this? Did I hit most of the most of the big talking points you here? You got it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you asked, I answered. You okay, got you got it. All right, all right. So, um, uh, and there you have it. And, and so we'll see. I see over the next three or four years. Like like I, we said in the podcast before, I have not seen the growth. I've seen it sort of level off uh, in terms of just what I've noticed. Yes, there's some events on TV that's interesting, but. It's a great article. Check it out. All right. Ian. Patrick. Do you have a disorder, Ian? I have a lot of disorders. Do you have the gaming disorder? I don't believe so, no. According to the World Health Organization, we talked about this at least once before. Mm -hmm. Gaming disorder is now a recognized illness, according to the WHO. They decided to add gaming disorder to its list of recognized illnesses. The 194 members of the group uh, made a decision today at the 72nd World Health Assembly. It sounds like a hot time. I wonder what the after parties are like at the WHO. Um, a lot of moderate drinking. A lot of moderate drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they go off, WHO. Uh, they agreed to adopt the 11th revision of the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, known as ICD-11. All right, I'll read what, what this is. What qualifies, Ian? A pattern of persistent or recurrent gaming behavior, digital gaming or video gaming which may be online, over the internet, or offline, manifested by, one, impaired control over gaming, e.g. onset, frequency, intensity, duration, termination, and context. Two, increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life interests and daily activities. And three, continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. The behavior patterns of sufficient severity to result in significant impairment in personal, family, social, educational, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And that's really, when you talk about... Um, it's an addictive... Yeah, disorder. any addictive disorder, disorder, drinking, drugs, sex, um, whenever it starts screwing up with your main, your your main, we'll just say the important parts of life. There's things more important than video games out there. Don't, don't do another attack video on us. When it, when your family and personal life and and fa- uh, f- your friendships all uh, suffer, when you can't hold down a job anymore or a decent job, or you're having trouble, then we got a problem. And that would go, and yeah, it's not just gaming. That would go for any hobby, anything. Yes. If you're if if you're into model boats and all you do is build model boats oh. and don't bathe and leave your family alone, it's a problem as well. Is there a model boat? Po- I want to get into model boats. It sounds very relaxing. Building model boats and you get them up with your RC on the uh, Legos are relaxing. Legos are relaxing. Yeah, I want to get into model boats when I get into my sixties. I decided that. Right Going to get a pond in the backyard? Get a pond, Castle Country, get a moat. A moat. Um, 
So obviously people online were derisive about this. It's like, oh, I, I have can- gaming cancer. No, it, it's not something to make light of if, it's, if, if this affects a certain amount of people to the extent where they lose a job or, you know. It, it, it was funny where the one picture I saw, it was like a drawn like GTA saw picture of the this guy playing a video game with his hot girl from the background like looking like, what are you doing? With, though, a poster of a bikini girl behind the guy playing the video game. It was like it was literally like a GTA parody thing. I'm just gonna say this: the, the likelihood of a guy having a hot girlfriend lessens more and more if you have bikini posters on your wall. It's just it's just a general correlation, I believe. Uh, <laughs> inverse correlation. It was just a funny picture. I should I should have downloaded it. Where did I see that? It was just funny that picture. But it was the quintessential: Hey, have sex with me. Stop playing video games. And not saying that's a common occurrence. That's definitely an occurrence, though. Sure. That's that's probably happened in relationships, where someone shows an interest in a video game uh, versus their significant other and takes them for granted. So this could apply to sports fandom, game fandom, etc. My question is: Is there a, a? I mean, I know there's sex addiction that they talk about, but is are there names for other ones? My, my thing is: Why does this one get singled out for its own disorder as part instead of just being part of like a? Uh, you know, an addictive personality disorder. Is there the one I'm asking? Is there a similar entry for say sports addiction? Well, you could you can Google Let's, it, in, but this is why they cla- I think they classify them because then they could they have a um they can have a, a better plan of attack to react to it. They can say, sure, this is how we deal with people specifically who play video games too much. We can have treatments and we can have programs designed just for them versus someone who I don't know, Ian. Uh, watches too much sports or, or you know what I mean like there's different ways you can do it and I, I think to me the main difference between if you want to say sports fans and this is that with sports there's specific times you watch them mm-hmm. and not with video games it can be 24 hours it can be people that play for days on end which is not that's not something that hasn't happened it's happened people have died in gaming parlors uh, who have, uh, over in Asia who have played games for multiple days and they just fucking drop dead because they get an embolism in their legs they've been sitting too long. Sure. This has happened. Um, and I think that's why... Yeah, I looked it up. I don't see any... I mean, there's lots of sports addiction help sites and whatnot, but I don't see anything and, uh, from the World Health Organization. I, and I think because in some countries we spoke about, like in South Korea, where they have like gaming parlors that sure. people, you have to drag them out, like opium dens. I think that's the difference. I think with video games, it can be all encapsulating... It's it's more interactive than than say watching sports. You get caught up on it easier, and there are some games designed to keep you playing. I think that's the other big difference uh, here. So, from that instance, you could say, well, it's a drug of at some point. Um, some particular games I brought up in the past. Um, any any sort of game where you have to be online a certain time, like in a guild or a clan, World of Warcraft. My my sister's ex had to be online every whatever fucking every Tuesday night, every Saturday afternoon. Well, what if what if your significant other doesn't want that? What yeah. if they say this is bullshit? Now spend time with me. Let's go out. Let's do something. And no, no, I gotta be playing this fucking game with my clan, with my guild. Now, I mean, frankly, you if know. it's a one Tuesday a night thing, a week thing, that's fine. You can make schedules and work on each other's schedules. But the fact of the matter is, it's never just a Tuesday night for these people. Yeah, they gotta practice. I get together. It's a social thing. It becomes it becomes ingrained in their existence, and that's why again, I think they they singled it out. Um, here, so um, let's see. It's a big according to this article on Kotaku classification and re- recognition of gaming disorder is a big step forward in, in the debate surrounding gaming addiction. Recently, 
members of the U.S. Congress began creating legislation to ban addictive loot boxes, which we spoke about, uh, which is which is straight up gambling. Even though they tried to, oh, of course the ESA didn't like this. The ESA was like, no, this is crazy having this. It's like, come on, man, you're making tons of fucking money. Yeah, you can at least admit that maybe some people might have an addictive problem with video games. Not everyone, but maybe some. Um, ESA, I, I, I'm more and more to me looking like the tobacco industry. The people trying to deny that. Well, no, no, there's no problem at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Cancer, emphysema? No. No, loot boxes aren't gambling. What the... F- yeah. You're over. You're being overprotective. It's, then eventually it comes crashing down when it hurts inside. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just said that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't make Hogan references. <laughs> all right. Uh, what, what do you think, Ian? Do, do, do you think... Um, uh, well, let's ask you this. Do you know anyone that you think could could have classified as being addicted to games to this level? Um, yeah. At a point in time, I, I think there there were people that I knew that could be classified as that, um, uh, including a close friend. Uh, I never I never lost contact with them. I you know it was like I think that was like the one thing I could get them to do every week was to get out. Go to the club, go have some breakfast, you know. That, the club. Um, and it wasn't, like, crazy bad, but, it, you know, this was a person... I don't know anyone who was, like, real bad, but this was a guy who would um, get home, pop on Final Fantasy XI, and that's what he did until the morning. Go back to work, get home... Until the morning? Yeah. So he stayed up all night? Yeah, he would often stay up, you know, all night. Um, but, you know, he, he overcame it, but, yeah, it, the, the situation I see it mostly in is online RPGs. Um, MMORPGs? MMORPGs. Um, and over time, I have softened to the idea that, yes, there is an addictive quality to video games for some people. Um, I'm not completely there yet, but there's something about that. You have to keep these... You have to keep these real-world online video game relationships up. But there's also the... I think what really does it with MMORPGs is when you're playing with a group of people, you all want to stay the same level. So if you drop off for a day, you you don't keep up with the rest of your pack. And to keep up with the rest of your pack, you have to be playing constantly. And plus there's social mores within these communities online. It's its, its own social group. Yeah. You, you, don't want, you don't want people to look down on you. Well, you didn't show up to the... You know, to whatever the the, the fucking bat bat hitting cave adventure last week. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like wh- whatever. Right. Like why why weren't you there? You get shamed. I read an article from a that about a kid who used to be like in this World War Two uh, online game clan where it was run like a military unit. Oh, there was an article recently on that. I yeah. I, I, Did you read that? I, yeah, I, I read little bits and pieces of it. Where yeah, it was basically like they ran it like a military regiment. I can't remember which game. So you it was. had to show up. Yeah, you had to. He, the kid ran home from school to practice this 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 uh, first person shooter game. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, I'm not saying that you can't, don't have the right to do that, but at some point it takes over. It just takes over, and then if 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 you can function in your life uh, with the game taking that much time, that's fine. But the moment that it doesn't, the moment that like you you lose your job or you, you know your friends don't hear from you anymore or your family, then it's then it's a problem at that point. Then it becomes an issue uh, there. Um, I, I, I've seen it with a few people. With me, the closest it probably got was... Uh, Unreal Tournament wasn't every day. It was a few times a week uh, back in the mid-2000s. Um, I played it a lot, though. I was in a clan at one point. And it got to the point, though, where it was just like, well, 
I always try to think, well, long term, what is this doing? And not saying I, I dropped it cold turkey, but I was like, it, to me, it became just a waste of time after a while because I, I was not doing other things I wanted to do sure. that I could have. Um, and so then I just got out of it, just sort of just slowly dissipated. And then the last time you blew up that rocket launcher, and then that's it. You're done. Or shoot that flat cannon into someone's face. <laughs> All right, anything else to add, Ian? No. Am I addicted to gaming collecting disorder? Is that a disorder yet? Mm, we'll see how much you get rid of in the summer. We're proud to partner with Flex Pro Meals. Flex Pro Meals is a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you salad, but epic recipes, entrees you may have grown up on that they make healthier versions of. Eating healthy is a lifestyle change, not a two-week gimmick, so it's their responsibility to go the extra mile, giving us the most value with realistic and tasty meal options at a good price. Flex Pro Meals offers a weight loss fat trimmer plan and a lean muscle larger portion plan. Yeah, that's what Pat gets. Yeah. Some of those popular meal entries are their smoked brisket mac, the breakfast burrito, and more. They just added a bunch of new ones, Ian. Ian, you've had the chicken and dumplings, right? I've had the dumplings. The chicken piccata is really good. They added the egg roll bowl. Ooh. That's a new one. That is. Uh, The Italian sauce is rigatoni. That's a good one. That's one of my favorites. You just add a little bit of water to it. When you microwave, just a little bit keeps it keeps that pasta nice. Uh, homemade tamales have been really good. Have you oh, enjoyed Bonnie those? Likes those actually. The beef stroganoff's been good. I'm getting hungry. Um, and then they just added the eggs Benedict. That's a new one. Oh yeah, I'll have yeah. to get that. Hey, I'm not saying that that'll be every meal that I order in the future, <laughs> but I'm a Eggs them, Benedict <laughs> fiend. So is Vani. Vani is a hardcore Eggs Benedict aficionado. All right, intermittent fasting. I got it. Got to temper it down. All right, they also have stuff like uh, steak with potatoes and you know chicken with sweet potatoes. That's a, that's your like standard meal if you want to be in shape and it's nice and healthy. Good sweet potatoes. So for twenty percent off your first order, use code CU Podcast when you visit flexpromeals.com. That's twenty percent off your first meal at flexpromeals.com. Use code CU Podcast. Some yummy meals await. Woo! Ian, Pat. Sad times for uh, video game preservation. Oh yeah, this is. It, it, we're on the upswing until this uh, this news came. Yeah, this is gross. So back into game preservation and the shady, shitty stuff that goes on. Forest of Illusion reports that they regret to inform that the auction for Indie the Magical Kid, an undumped Famicom game, prototype, prototype, um, unreleased. It ended up they they were unable to so basically, Forest of Illusion they fu- they found out that there's this undone prototype right it's called uh, Indie the Magical Kid it's like what Yahoo auction yes okay. it went up and people pooled money together to try to make sure that it was one to be preserved I think what they had was one million yen or one point five million yen the game ended up selling for one. Million five hundred and one thousand yen, which is thirteen thousand seven hundred fifty U.S. Right, it's a uh, lot of fucking money, and that appears to have come from one person. Uh, they did not win, uh, sadly. The uh, person that they were uh, fighting against uh, won. They are in Japan. Um, it's it, the news is kind of it, it's bad. Uh, they don't expect to ever see that again um, because the guy literally posted. Let me just find this. The winner of the auction left an anonymous message saying that they bought it to stop copy sales and dumps. And they also said, um, I will always protect it as a Japanese treasure. 
oh my god, I'm making the wank motion so hard, I swear I'd rip my fucking dick off. It's, this is the stuff that makes me not want to deal with the shit at all. We have people who are very obviously spiteful and up their own ass and think that they're the only people who could, you know, who can protect something. Owning it is not protecting it. Preserving it by yourself, does you're not preserving a treasure that way. You're, you're just holding on to a piece of plastic that's going to rot. So if it's a treasure, why not get it out there? It's a sense of superiority. It's a, it's a superiority it's narciss- It's narcissistic yep. to think that only I should be able to enjoy this. Make no mistake, that has nothing to do with uh, worrying about money. The, the fact that copy sales, or I guess pirated copies, yes, that can be a... You might think that's bad, but if you have to spin around in your head that in your own head that that's worse than no one being able to access it, I just don't get that. I, oh, I, I also don't believe it. I, I think no, that's, that's bullshit. I think it's no, bullshit. It's bullshit. Um, it's bullshit. Obviously, because um, that you can still protect it and have it dumped. It, it, it's 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 simply a power trip. People want to find power in anything they can do. Yeah. And this is how people in game collecting uh, get their kicks. This is how they get off on power is to own something that no one else has and then come up with a bullshit reason behind why they couldn't dump it. I had a, had a sh- short Twitter exchange with uh, Steve Lynn. Um, and he, he mentioned that when he's approached people in the past to, you know, to purchase, if he heard something was for sale, uh, potentially an undone prototype, and he was refused to buy him because, oh, you'll just take it. And, oh yeah, and I, have I, it I saw that he had tweeted that. Yeah, basically they're like, oh, you're that, you're that uh, person, game history or guy. And, yeah. yeah, we don't want that. And my response was, well, then what? Who who are they okay selling it to? Are they only okay to selling it to collectors that are going to keep it locked up forever in a vault, person to person, like some sort of weird fucking treasure? Like some sort of weird grail. And that's what I think some of these people think. They think that this is something that, since it's one of a kind, that there's some power or mystique imbued in, in a physical object. Like like it's a fucking like painting. Yeah. It's not a painting. It's a tomb holding some digital information that people work yeah, on. exactly. That were supposed to be sold to the public at some point, and they decided not to. And, and, and the body it is was gonna be decaying inside. Yes. Time, there is a time limit here. It was a product, an entertainment product. That just didn't make it out to the world for business reasons, or a company went under, or they went in a different direction. That's all, that's all that is. It's not the Mona Lisa. Yeah. But it's a treasure. It's not the fucking Shroud of Turin that you have out there it's not so there's no good solution to this um if because because if it's just a money thing you're always going to have some rich person out there that has too much money to spend that'll spend i in the past undumped prototypes on if you want to say nes super nintendo they go for a grand couple grand you know yeah a little more than that and most Thirteen thousand dollars, almost fourteen grand. That's nuts. And at that point, almost everyone's priced out except people like this, that just have a, you know, almost again, almost happened with the SimCity NES. It almost happened. Yep, almost fucking happened. <sighs> There's not much you can do. Uh, uh, humans are scum. A lot of humans are scum. Um, that's the only thing I can say. 
and it, and it bleeds into almost every avenue of our lives. Uh, stuff that you you think is important, obviously, and then inconsequential stuff that ninety percent of people be like, well, "Who cares? It's a video game." But for us, it's very important, obviously, because this is what this is what we deal with. This is our industry. So we're gonna get into a topic which might explain why this is happening. But I think one of the reasons why this is happening, I believe, is um, there's been a focus, a shift uh, in the time. In, and certain people getting into video game collecting in general that I think this is caused mm. or this is at least isn't helping these prices go up for some of this stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on it. Um, so, um, maybe we see this game, uh, indie, the magical kid, maybe we see it in 20 years from now, but this person decides to sell it or they die and someone else gets it. But then you hope that the person that gets the game, knows what it is, doesn't just dump it, or or sells it to someone who doesn't know what it is. Sure. You know, like... No, you want them to dump it, but you mean doesn't just sell it off. I mean, I mean, I mean dump it off to someone. Yeah. Give it to someone who doesn't know what it is, which is the danger when this stuff happens. So, kind of depressing topic, Ian. Yeah, you wouldn't want it to go to Patrick Scott Patterson, for instance. Oh, he'd preserve it. Oh, sure would. He'd preserve it. All right, Ian. Yes. News that has rocked rocked a small corner of the internet my favorite website you haven't said it in a while nintendo age has been sold to go collect so this was announced uh i believe over the weekend so it was announced with a post on the nintendo age forum so go collect ian i don't know if you've ever been there before I've, i've heard the name before um i don't know how often i visited it but it's a comic book price guide site Okay, um, you can search for comics. There's, I think, there's tools to sell things, and there's a few like that. There, there's, there's comic book price. There's a few comic book uh, websites like that where you can track what you have. Say, oh, I want this comic. You know what I mean? And there's prices for conditions. I won't go on the website right now, and you have, oh, Fantastic Four number forty eight. My uncle has it. He won't, he won't give it to me. Um, and then you can see people that okay, there's, there's graded values from nine point eight down to you know poor condition, you know point five. And then you see like a scale of consensus, a sense of how many people own it at different values, restored. So this is the individual that bought Nintendo Age. And in his message on Nintendo Age was, my name is Jeff Meyer. I'm the founder of GoCollect.com. I'm on a mission in 2019 to work towards making collecting better. Whatever you may collect. GoCollect has focused on comic books for years, but is entering the video game space with various collector tools, including a soon-to-come price guide and robust sale tracking solution that the hobby is currently lacking. When a single game has countless variants, it's important to, to appropriately assign each sale to its proper version, and in my opinion, it's important to be able to distinguish those variants in your collection. Nintendo Age has been my go-to resource for understanding this hobby. The information available through the database of consoles and various forum discussions is priceless. That's where the story here gets interesting. GoCollect has officially acquired the Nintendo Age website and its sister sites. As a heavy collector of Golden Age comics, I'm well aware that news like this can be, can be taken very personally. I won't ever know that's personal to me. Blah, blah, blah. They're not looking to step in and shake up the site with all sorts of changes. That's not up. We're, we're not some big corporation trying to make a big buck. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, and they're going to do a pre-release, uh, I guess, of the video games uh, section of Go Collect coming in uh, June 14th. They're going to reveal at the Charlotte Heroes uh, Con. And then it goes on from there with an FAQ about that. Uh, news did not go over well. Yeah. With people on, on Nintendo Age. It That's was almost, I've heard. almost universally panned. Um, 
I've heard the uh, yeah, the moderators didn't know. Moderators did not find out about it. I don't want to focus more on, on the communication factor between what happened between um, Jeff here and uh, Dane, who we personally know who sold the site, who built it from the ground. I don't personally know him. You do. I've okay, never, I've I've never met him. him. Okay. Uh, I've known Dane for years. Um, uh, on, on, uh, on a side note, which is related, Dane sold his entire video game collection. Dane had a gigantic collection. Yeah. D- Dane had, uh, you know, complete NES, Super Nintendo, and I think Game Boy, just about complete in box. I was just reading something um, here that says the Game Boy stuff got sold a few years ago. Okay, so but he had yeah, the tri- the holy tr- the holy trinity of Nintendo consoles. Yeah, if you want to say it, all, everything and other stuff too. You know, he probably had. If I had a guess, you know, he probably had ten thousand games. It's probably a decent estimate. You know, maybe more. It's all gone now. Um, so obviously he's moved on. He's moved on, and and obviously it's just right to do so. And I I wish him health and happiness. Um, when it comes to that, but this, but we're now at an inflection point where someone's buying a database to add to their existing database of comics right. to branch off and do something else. And people on the forum have obviously have an issue with that because to them they. they See Nintendo Age as a, a huge wealth uh, knowledge of people posting about things they found or artifacts and, and variants. Obviously, a lot of the information in the past that came out first about, oh, did you know about this five screw Mike Tyson's punch out? Did you know about this variant? Right. A lot of those people posted to Nintendo Age going back, you know, 15 years. I've been on Nintendo Age for 11 years already. I've been a member of Nintendo Age, um, posting and discussing things and getting into heated debates and people physically threatening me on the site. It's fun. But anyway, so. Um, when people get this news, they have a visceral reaction because, oh, my God, now all my data is being bought by a company. It's not a huge company, but it's a company that's going to monetize it right. in some way. They're going to they're gonna use it to make money. You don't buy something unless you think you're going to make money off of it. And um, it's a robust database. It absolutely is. Um, it doesn't have every single picture of every game, but there's lots of stuff in there. So if you get that database, you're off and running with whatever bench, venture you want. Um, so the, the issue, though, is that I'm not sure people will have an issue with what happens to like my, my private messages and the deals I did. That's all in the database. Um, will that be protected? Will that be used? And people feel slighted because to a lot of the people, the community helped build the website and keep it going over the years. And this is what this guy bought. Sure. So not that people ask to be paid, but now that it's gone, what, where do we stand now? Why do we still have this site if we're now we're just helping someone monetize it? Right. Um, yeah, the first administrator response is BA here, and it says, I've been an admin of NA for over eight years, and this thread is the first I've heard of this news. I can't say I'm happy about the level of communication. Um, so the conversation I'm going to have now is that, and this is going to get into our next topic, which we're leading up to, is that is there a need for yet another website to, to track prices? I feel like, no, there isn't. I feel like, especially... There's I, at least two or three good ones I, out I, there. I mentioned, and I, I said this to my friend Lincoln yesterday, um, Was it, it seems like a weird timing for it, too. Especially since this is mostly, it's not just, but mostly NES-focused. Nintendo in general, but there's a lot of NES focus here. And we're seeing that... Well, we're, he bought them all, though. Oh, I know. But um, it just seems like a weird time to buy given that we already have enough websites like this the big ones are price starting and, and was it video game value now are the two big ones right that's and come up. so we've got those two and then we're also entering a 
slight dip in the interest of retro collecting, mostly NES. But I don't think it's just slight, but go on. Uh, NES, Super Nintendo, those are all being replaced now very quickly at this point. I can watch it over the past two years in store. Being replaced by stuff like GameCube, um, PS2, original Xbox. We're finally getting to the point where the large majority of people into older games are into systems that came out 20 years ago now, not systems that came out 35, 40 years ago. So it just, it, the timing of it is kind of strange for me in terms of, I don't know, it just, it, it's with, with the amount of stuff that's out there and the timing of it, it seems like an odd purchase to me. So this is Nintendo age, PlayStation age, Sega age, Atari age is obviously separate. Right. Than these. That's the three big ones. And oh, so it's, it's Sega as, it, as well. There's okay. SegaAge.com as well. Gotcha. So there's databases set up for, for most of these systems into the modern age. The entries. May not, there may not necessarily be like availability for all of them and, and pictures of the carts and games. For Nintendo and Super Nintendo, you have most of them. Right. I haven't looked up N64 and all that. But that's what this guy bought. A, a, a healthy database to start from without building it himself. The game collection, um, I think they're going to probably... He's probably going to keep pieces... Is going to obviously resell chunks of it. You can't keep ten thousand games or or whatever the amount of games was. You can't sure um, even five thousand games. So make money back on that. Maybe it was a thing. Oh, we'll do both at once and get a package deal. You know, or or might as well just get rid of. If Dane th- thinking, oh, I'll get rid of one, get rid of both. The yeah. Website gone, collection gone. I'm awash with it. I can just focus on my life now. Yeah, which I might do that too at one point. I might just break down and do it. But um, we're at a point now where with. Uh, get more to the next topic, but uh, we are now seeing outside ventures become more and more into the retro gaming hobby and it's accelerated over the past year. And this is just another example of that. Sure. Some, some, uh, mostly the comic book world, but probably also, if you want to say trading cards and maybe toys that are getting in now yeah. with, with serious money that want to monetize the interest. Sure. But it might be too late. Well, for that, a chunk of it. that, that was my point was that I feel like for some of this, it's going to be too late. And Dane, uh, you can agree with the decision or disagree. However, if someone were to come to you at the tail end, say of, uh, of a, um, I don't know, of a, of a hot period in terms of like something that's collectible, you know, this stuff has been on fire. If someone were to come to you at the tail end and be like, here's all this money for it. And you see the writing on the wall, might as well. You know, get some of that money back if you're if you're only in it for the collecting and not the playing and stuff like that. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it all when someone makes you that offer. Sure. So I understand why he would accept it. I just don't get necessarily why you know other people wouldn't know ahead of time, especially admins. Sure. Um, so uh, they're going to be archiving Dane's collection, uh, using it in Tenway's website. They probably use it to maybe take more pictures to update some things that are missing. For NES games, it's mostly in there. For Super Nintendo games, a chunk's in there, from what I've seen. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's uh, I'm not saying it's the end of the era, but uh, people on the website even admitted in the in the forums that, yeah, this isn't like the number one source for like rare or weird games anymore. People go on Reddit and report stuff. People post uh, YouTube videos. They go on Twitter. You know, it's not... Nintendo Age isn't the place it was right. six, seven, eight years ago where... Before it all congealed together with with all these sources, yeah, and... it doesn't have the cultural impact. Quote, yeah, quote, that's, that's not a knock it, on it. it that's no. just the reality yeah. of the situation. Nope, times change. 
Time's was changed. once a time where TSR's NES pit was the go-to place for Nintendo news. I probably read some of Ian's posts back then without realizing it. <laughs> like, who's this asshole? I'll post this now. Um, yeah, so... Um, allegedly the form will still be around which is really the website it's a form in a database that's the website and uh, people though are saying what happens to my patreon post to keep the website going what happens there and that because now you know you're a corporation you don't need me to uh, yeah i'm fairly certain that going. patreon is gone as of next month well we'll see we'll see what happens with uh with, with our our buddy here um so okay so this is a lead into the next topic Ian. yes we haven't done an update on the state of retro game collecting in about three, four years at least. Really? It's been, it's been a while. Has it been that since long? Since we did that. Yes. All right. That was one of our most popular early uh, videos early on in 2013, 14. Yeah. I do uh, recall that. So here we are, Ian. It's 2019. Mm-hmm. We had the past few years, we had stuff like NES Classic come out, Super Nintendo Classic. Um, we have had a bunch of uh, new systems to keep them alive. The new, the new analog systems, Nintendo, uh, you know, the, the AVS, FPGA systems. We have a lot of uh, successful Kickstarters now, and fundraising things for like the Polymega to play old games, and um, and like the, the Atari uh, VCS system was successfully successfully funded uh, on here. Uh, ways to, at least to play retro games. May not necessarily be collecting wholesale, but I think it's related uh, a bit. You can't totally separate retro game collecting from the people that play them. Um, they feed into each other a little bit. Um, but in 2019, we have officially, I think, reached sort of uh, maximum exposure and interest so that we have outside interest now monetizing the hobby. And we spoke about it the last topic with Go Collect a... a, a, a a comic book collecting and pricing site buying Nintendo Age to beef up and build up a new website, I guess, video game collectible. Um, you have WADA partnering with Heritage Auctions and people that from the comic book world getting into buying uh, high-priced uh, rare games like NWCs that show up there. They bought the $100,000 uh, sealed original Super Mario Brothers cart for exposure, obviously. And then you have a lot of people now transfer, transferring, not a lot, but people that notice that comic prices, maybe video game prices will beef up the same way and they're, they're buying sealed games. They're getting them graded and they're going to try and sell them and flip them to a larger extent. So there's, I think there's going to be a shift here. There's going to be a, a schism that's already happening between two types of game collectors, the people that um, were the more the older preservation side bought them before they were valuable or just getting in price. And now the people that noticed that it's now a, a hot thing or was a hot thing getting in to try to beef it up to the next level to say that, okay, this, there will be a lot of hundred thousand dollar video games. There will be, you know, routinely auctions going up where games will sell for tens of thousands of dollars. And I think that's where we're fast approaching that now. And on the tail side, though, the I think the general interest in game collecting itself, collecting the cartridges, has been waning. And I'll get your comment on that soon. But from what I looked at for prices on NES, Super Nintendo, N64, uh, they, peaked, they peaked in 2016. 
I've always said that NES game prices peaked in 2016, and they absolutely have. Uh, the and the way you look at that is you look at the common games that are popular, the games that people are most likely to buy, to play, to hold on to. Games like Contra and Ducktales are not near, near where they were a few years ago. Uh, a lot of the Super Nintendo games are the same uh, way; they've fallen off. Um, and more importantly, the games that had shot up in value, Little Samson, Dinosaur Peak, they stopped. They didn't keep up the same path. They went, they shot up, they plateaued. Um, people got people got priced out of the market, and I think it was a shell game with people passing games back and forth between each other. And I think that's where we're at. There's, I don't think it's a bubble that's burst, but I think there's been a correction. And and you're probably you're probably gonna talk about shifting interest as well. But it's interesting that more interesting than the prices softening on some of this is I think the people have had their thirst quenched. I think a bit by uh, these uh, NES classics, Super Nintendo classics, where there's been overexposure almost to some of these different systems where. All right, that's enough for me. I don't need to buy the fiscal game or see- seek it out. This is enough. Sure. Um, so there are a couple of things I've noticed that I'd, I'd say that uh, slightly different. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but different things that I've I've just come across. Um, so one, yes, uh, interest is shifting. I've said it always, and I, I, it'll keep being the same. What was new to us or doesn't feel retro to us definitely feels retro to kids who are growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get the same sort of feeling that, exactly that we do, and we may not want to admit it, but these people growing up, their Jack and Daxter or whatever was their Super Mario. It's what they remember. It's where they get the warm fuzzies. It's the games they played with their parents. And Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 1, oddly enough, have always been popular, and they don't seem to be you know, losing popularity, but Nintendo, Super Nintendo, um, Genesis has actually ticked up a little bit lately. But Nintendo and Super Nintendo, in terms of collecting, in terms of that being the only thing people ever come into the store for, it's happening a lot less. Um, In terms of prices, I think in a physical retail store, I haven't noticed um, as big of a change as you might notice when you look at, like, constant online auctions and stuff. But whereas people will still pay for a popular game that they want to own... no one's looking for those hard-to-find titles anymore that aren't fun to play. I don't, I've had a copy of Supercars sitting in the, the case at Luna, I think, for 15 bucks. And That's an uncommon game. Very uncommon, very game. uncommon game. No one wants it. No one cares. Actually, I think someone finally did buy it. But it sat there for like two or three months. Or in That's, the past, I would have been gone on a week and a half. Right. That's just not stuff people are looking for anymore. We're back to the point where people just want to buy the stuff they remember. So we started at... You know, it starts with, oh, these are fun. I want to play some of these again. Then people get hardcore about it. And now we're back to the same 50 to 100 games selling. The other thing I noticed is I think a lot of people got all that energy out in the with the NES stuff. Um, and I do think that will carry on to future collecting generations, especially as the total game counts grow and things like that. I I knew everyone and their mother who was coming into the store uh, when this stuff started to get hot, 2006, 2007. They all wanted complete sets. They all wanted full NES sets. That was the goal. Um, now, I think a lot of people have learned, um, and you've mentioned this a little bit when writing the book, um, there aren't as many people on, say, the Super Nintendo or the Genesis that are looking for rare stuff just because 
it's rare. There were lots of shitty rare games on the NES, but everyone wanted them still because they were keys to their collection. Sure. People don't want that stuff on the Super Nintendo now. No. There are there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of underground games that have gone up in price. Look at something like Run Saber, but then there's tons of shit that's like impossible um, to find that no that no one's paying anything for. No. You brought it up, um, Camel Tree, or it was called On the Ball. Here is a game that I never see anymore, but you can get it for like fifteen bucks. Maybe not anymore, as you mentioned. But no, in writing the the Super Nintendo book, I'm I'm not astonished, but just gen- generally surprised about first of all how many uncommon games there are. There's almost there's as many uncommon games as common games on the, on the set. When I'm going through, I'm like, I'm looking at all these games. I'm like, I've never seen this game before. I've never seen this game before. I've never seen this game before. And then when I looked up some of the prices, it didn't correlate the same way an uncommon game price would correlate with an NES game. Yeah, we've it wasn't been, close. We've been trained that uncommon means more money, and then very uncommon means more money. Not, but not necessarily. Not, not necessarily. Not on the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo people learn. And at this point, it's still a lot of people buying what they would have so, interest in playing. So what drives a lot of these prices are completionist collectors like me. There's no reason for Little Samson to cost $900. There's no reason for Dinosaur Pete to cost that much money unless you wanted a complete set. There's no reason for statements to cost that much money unless you want a complete but set. Now no one wants, it, it seems like no one really... There's far yeah, but less people going for But that sets. hasn't carried over to Super. Right. The N64 Luckily. even. To PlayStation. The, uh, what I always said about those consoles... The N64 does have a few really crappy, expensive games. But overall... But true. True. I mean, yeah. The, the worst ones, what? Stunt Race, Bowling... Sculptor's Cut. Sculptor's Cut. Worms Armageddon. Worms Armageddon's actually fun. Yeah, so what I always said about PlayStation collectors and the future collectors is that they won't care about f- filling rooms. They'll just say, I want this set of stuff. I want all the Atlas games. I want all of these sort of games. I some you know, And I think that's how it's played out. So the problem w- with that for people that... Um, well, not problem, but, th- but the issue there is that you're now getting to where I think eventually all these sets will return back to is that the the vast majority of the game's value will just plummet and you'll be stuck with the, either a few weird games worth a, a, a lot of money and all the common games that people like and popular ones and you'll have all the uncommon filler that people won't care about. And I think you're starting to see that yeah, now. You'll still have your very expensive, very rare titles, but it, it, we're getting, I think, to the point where it's going to be based on rarity and gameplay. So you could have an expensive, uh, somewhat expensive common title because people want it. Mm-hmm. You can have a bunch of inexpensive uncommons or even very uncommons, and then you're going to have the few that meet the criteria of both wanted and very yeah. hard to find. And then those will stay at that, that Which level. Which is kind of like how comic books have become. Yeah. So comic books... Well, those, exactly. Those Silver Age comics, you know, an amazing spider uh, was, was a Fantastic Four. That Fantastic Four number, number 45, you can find it just as much as the 48... The problem is the 48 has the first appearance of Galactus and Silver Surfer, so it's worth like 10 times the amount as that 45 is right. worth. Even though there's the same amount of both of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen with video games. I really do. And on top of that, though, I think um, we'll get to the, well, the death of physical media. We're going to see how that affects collecting probably 10 years from now, more so than right now. But... Um, you have people that obviously are selling collections. It's not... When I first said this like two years ago, people were like, oh, Pat's being an alarmist. Am I? I don't think it's accelerating uh, as quickly as you think, uh, it, but, but it's happening. But now we're talking about it more and more. We just talked about uh, Dane selling a huge collection off everything 
We know people from online that have sold stuff off. Mm-hmm. Mutual friends and acquaintances that have sold stuff off. I'm going to sell part of my collections because I'm getting older. I don't have room for a lot of it. And I don't want to deal with it when I'm 60. You know, and I think it's a combination of factors where this is happening. But going back to like these prices, though, I'm looking at Mario Kart 64. According to price charting, it peaked December 2016 at $47. Now it's at 33 and it had just dipped to 25 And um, I think overall, there is a less general interest in acquiring these. Looking at the convention scene, there's a lot less retro gaming conventions that are popping up or trying to pop up now versus four years ago. Four years ago, I'd say it was probably the peak where you had a bunch try for a year or two and they disappeared. Yeah, I was going to um, say like three two, three years ago seemed like the year where there was just... Too many. A billion. I think I did yeah. five and I could have done like eight. And I was like... I... And some of them have died because of, uh, you know, there was a bubble and they burst. There was too many in one area. I think in Texas, there was at one year, there was like five of them in one year. Um, and only a couple have survived. Um but some have just shifted away to be general gaming conventions because they realize that the kids coming up, the teenagers, they don't necessarily want to buy this shit. Well, they, that... they want to experience it to an extent, but they don't need to purchase the items. And so from that perspective, it's not going to carry on to the next generation, the, the physical ownership. Sure. It just won't. No one's going to be more interested in these NES games than me, after me. You know why? Because I'm the ones that I'm the one that spent 20 years acquiring them. Mm. It's self. It's a self-evident sort of fact about it. So, with that said, um, we have things like the sealed game collecting. People buying the prototypes. They want these one-of-a-kind things. They want to slab these games. They want to sell them. Though that's a, a, a interesting offshoot of retro game collecting. But to me, it's something different. That's totally different. That's people that are comic book collectors, toy collectors that want to invest in a new... They, they see this as a hot new field to get into to pump it up to what their comic collection is, their graded comic collections. They think they can do the same. It's, it's totally... It's, it's just a money play. It's a total money play. Yeah. It has nothing to do with preservation. It has nothing to do with uh, widening uh, the knowledge of this stuff. That's what has been established by uh, people that have been collecting for the past 25 years. They're the ones that built the databases and found out about the weird variants and shit that existed. Now people say, oh my God, look, look what you have this field that's laid out. Let's go in and let's fucking strip mine it. That's the way I see it. But the, the issue to me there is that unlike comics where you can grade anything with these guys, they're only getting into sealed grading. There's not a huge amount of sealed games out there that you could do for a lot of these games, I think, to maintain the interest. Mm. Does that make sense? Over time, like... There's a reason why we even talk about why complete in box Game Boy collecting never took off. There wasn't enough of them to sustain I mean, yeah. enough collectors to even build up an interest level. Yeah, it's it's too far. It, it's a, there's just none of them to this day. It's still hard to get any good read on a value of a complete in box Game Boy game. You might, I mean, there have been ones, ones, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there have been ones that have come in where I'm like, okay, well. I'm sure I can find at least something on this on eBay. No, no completed transactions for a complete copy of it fucking ever. Find that Universal Soldier. I don't know how I got mine on a deal. Find that box WCW. You think, oh, WCW, there's no box copies of it. Yeah. It's not some weird fucking rare. It was a WCW game. People didn't keep the boxes. So I'm not saying that's going to happen where 
I think what these people getting into the, the and these aren't video game collectors. This is a total offshoot. Mostly getting into this. They're going to discover that this isn't comic books. That any any old fucking sealed game that they got graded doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be worth gold in the future. And that they're going to trade them like hot potatoes between each other. That's sure. what I think is what's going to happen. Because those collectors are the, the top you know, 0.1% of video game collectors. Not a lot of people have that money to blow. Or to I should probably say to invest on these games. I'm not interested in it. And a lot of people that collect video games aren't interested in sealed games. They're not going to glom onto it. So I think it's always going to exist, but it's just going to be this separate sort of group that's going to be an outlier. Um, that's never going to... It's never going to take off, I think, the way they think it's going to, the way comic books. It's always like, oh, well, if it did it for comic books, it's going to happen with this. It happened for some toys, it's going to happen with this. You can't keep going down that road just because it happened with another another group. It's It's, it's not always the same. It just isn't. It just isn't. But getting back to where we are with stuff that you sell, the stuff I collect, um, I think at this point, most people for the 90s systems, most people have the shit they want. That makes sense. Yes. We have the stuff we want. We've had, we've had, if you want to say 2006 as the sort of point where it shot up, we've had 12 years, 13 years to buy this shit. Even before it really shot up in value the past, you know, 2012, 13, where it started shooting up more. Um, so at this point, what's left? Is there enough new people to get into this? No. There's not enough new kids to that want to buy my Master System collection. There's not going to be a twenty, a lot of 20-year-olds out there that want, that want to buy my Turbo collection or my Genesis games or my M82 demo units. There just isn't. Well, I mean, uh, you'll have more luck with Genesis, Nintendo, and Super Nintendo. But yeah, the, the, the specific... I'm talking about overall, though. The, the specifically tiny... Um, collections. I, I see those dropping at some point. A Master System was hot for a minute because everyone who finished their NES collection went for, went for it, but does anyone talk about it? Does anyone play it? Does anyone do anything it's, with it? I mean, I got an awesome ape, uh, you know, bitmap book, books, uh, Master yeah. System book, but... I like the Master System. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, a lot of this a lot of this collection was just fed by the desire to buy more. Yes. Um, the the Master System's got good stuff on it, yes. but it, it's, it's, it's not... It's Inter- not something that people even even that two years where people were collecting it, it didn't give it any FaceTime. Honestly, it didn't really bring in any new fans of the Master System. And I can see other stuff like this. All it did was serve to pump up the prices for a little bit and then everyone walked away. The Fantastic Four, here's an analog to comics. The Fantastic Four was like Marvel's most most popular comic book for like twenty five years. No one talks about Fantastic Four now. Interest can die off. Even if something was cool and popular. You give it enough time, people don't talk about it anymore because it's it's just a natural way. It's just the way things work. Yeah, that makes me say that Fantastic Four, but it's going to come back with the movie. It's going to get its day. Sorry. Um, so that that's all I'm going to say about this is that prices ha- prices have retracted on on systems. Um, yes, probably Ian. Um, there's some systems that'll probably go up with the timing. Has, has Saturn gone up? Saturn is insanely high. I, Saturn is... But that's like Turbo, though. There's not a lot of games. Saturn, uh, not, not a quantity of games. Saturn's available. fucking through the roof. And the timing on it is, is is about right, too. I think we always talk about stuff like Turbo Graphics, where it's like that, those always probably remain somewhat valuable because there isn't many. There's, you can't find them. Saturn, Dreamcast, Turbo. There's always going to be some inherent value there, I think, because of... Uh, Sna- I'm looking up Snatcher. Snatcher stayed the same price the past few years, about... Snatcher's one of those games that rarely wavers. 400 bucks. It, it peaked. It, it, you know where it peaked? 
It peaked uh, May 2018 at 200 uh, at 455. Now it's at 400. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I would assume. Let me, it let, was. Let me look about a Bonk's Adventure, a, a quote unquote common um, Turbo Graphics game. That that to me would be interesting to see what what that has done. Yeah, so that is not at the highest it's been. That's gone up and down a little bit. That's at $33, it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's also where it was. It was at 36 in 2016. It was at 35 in 2017. It dipped back around. So that's been about the same it's been for the past three years, three to four years. Yeah. They haven't, but they haven't keep coming up. They've plateaued. They've reached sort of a mark, and they've plateaued. I just think it's interesting. I've seen a lot of smaller stuff where, like, a price will go up, and then it will just plateau. Um, Sapphire, for years, was 500 on average. And that may still be it, but I recently saw a couple of them sell for, like, uh, I think it was, like, 750 and then 850 So, but I think, regardless of that, it's not the change in price I want to bring up. It's the fact that with smaller niche collections, the prices can get really expensive, but they don't tend to well, you, fly up. You also get to the point, part where people that know the value of it won't let it go for a deal. They'll hold on to it for years and years. Sure. And that can happen with a game like a Sapphire or Magical Chase where it's like, yeah, you know, there might be three people interested only in it, so I know that you know you have to buy it for me, so I'm not going to give you even a $500 discount. I want five grand. Oh, there are games that used to yeah. sit on eBay. Like, there was a Corey Yoon up on eBay that sat there, I think, at $450 uh, for at least two years, three years. And I think I realized it sold a couple months ago for 400 meaning that it took three years for them to drop it 50 bucks, And then it sold. So, yeah. They, they a lot can, of factors. They can hold on. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. So, I think we definitely seen, I think, the peak in terms of, I think, craze to acquire this stuff. There, I've, there's, there's, I think, um, obviously, some people are selling off their stuff, and that affects prices. Not, not saying that it's totally affected these softening prices. Uh, there's not enough of it. Uh, for the rare stuff, you would see it if, like, you know, six or seven people sold all at once. But, um, yeah, I, I expect their, well, the plateau is going to continue. I expect the, more of the common stuff to gradually lessen and lessen. But like I said, even the uncommon stuff, I was shocked. Well, with the Super Nintendo prices, I was like, this is interesting to me. Very interesting. So, Ian, five years from now, where do you think we're going to be? Do you think um, we're going to be at a a people just buying PS3 stuff or just PS2 stuff um, and, and just focusing on that? No, I think we'll always have people who are buying for the other systems. But like I said, I think it's going to go from I want a Nintendo and everything to I want a Nintendo, Mario 3. Like five games. Zelda, yeah, Kirby, and I'm done. Will they even want an original NES anymore? Uh, honestly, <laughs> we don't sell many original NESs anymore. Ever since the uh, HD Retrons came out, yeah. the Retron HDs, I mean, people, I mean, snobs don't like them, but they're totally serviceable they're for what they are uh, for the average person who's playing these games. Uh, they sell like crazy, so I'm still selling tons of those. But honestly, no, I don't think anyone wants original NESs anymore. It, and the thing is, I don't want to sell original NESs anymore. They're a pain in the ass. They're a fucking pain in the ass. Like, people will... I'll have a guy come back three times. It's not working. Yes, it is. You, you're seeing it right here. Well, it's not working at home. I don't know what to tell you, man. But there's too many variables in, you know, with, with an NES. You know, it's old. What part of it's dirty? Is your cartridge dirty? So, um, yeah, they're a pain in the ass to sell. And people don't want them anymore because everyone's got an HD TV. And only people who have, like, CRTs really want an original NES at this point. Real quick, Earthbound check. Because we always use Earthbound as a sort of point. So, Earthbound, remember when it was over $200 for a while? Around $200, like, five years ago? Mm-hmm. 
it dipped down. It looks like it dipped down to $130 last year, January last year. Now it came back up to about 180 164. Yeah, I think we sell it for like I think we have it for 160. Remember it was at 250 for a bit or 220. Remember that for a hot minute? We never had it over 200 cuz any cuz people kept people saying that. Sell, people I, kept saying that but I when I look I wouldn't see those selling for over. I think it was like Amazon sales or some people yeah. would tell me. I, it was always at like 200 for a long long time and then I it dropped to 180 and I know it dropped lower and now it came back up. So, all right. So, it's not woe is me, but there's definitely been a softening there's been a retraction. There's been people getting out for sure because people get older. That's just the way it, it, it works here. And we'll see where it shifts a few years from now. But the fervor has definitely been done. I've gone into the days where you have five or six, literal five or six different vendors at the swap meet with their own little game store. That's fucking done, over. That will probably never, never return. So I don't have one this week. What? A Tales. You don't have the, the this one? one was really short, and I barely remember it because it was from two weeks ago. Oh, why don't you try telling it? Yeah. No, I, I'm not. I'm not forcing the tale. There was no other tales from the game store. Not this week. We no. can't run the intro. Nope. Sorry. Such a I, disappointment. I it? really have to be firm in my uh, beliefs on this segment. God, now it's like every other week. I'm not. I'm not doing it if it ain't. If it ain't good. Wow. Okay. I, I ain't doing it if it ain't good. Okay. I get. I guess we're going to go to uh, a Patreon. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash cu podcast for what ian what do you what do you get what do you get there ian you get various tchotchkes and gugos no no you don't get tchotchkes we don't mail you stuff <laughs> you get you get audio tchotchkes and visual gugos uh you can get the full podcast uh you can in get writing form. you can get a hangout um you can be part of a uh community. Poll. part of community part of a community uh grow the community uh you can uh, partake in a weekly poll are there any embeds there's, I don't know. Have you embedded anything? <laughs> Embed in their mind. What a great value our Patreon the is. Value, the value. Okay, uh, so we had a Patreon poll topic. Um, this this was a tight race. Yeah. Uh, pulled away at the end. What All do we right. got? In third place is backwards compatibility a key feature for the next gen of consoles? Sixteen percent. No one cares about us talking about that crap. Is it a key feature? It'd be nice. Uh, second place. This is the smallest between. First and second ever. Second place. Would Pat have collected NES games with today's prices? 41%. In first place, 43%. Are you suncoasting it today? Pat's terrible Suncoast working experience. Well, I can just pick because... back for this. All right, Ian. Picture it. Sicily, 1934. No. Uh, that's Golden Girls reference. This is 19... This is 2000. The year after my ACL surgery, young plucky Pat comes back from college, one year older, one year wiser. Might you were have, plucky when you were younger. Might have lost his virginity the year before. We don't know. Why anyway, do I want to know this? I'm just saying. I'm, just, I'm, just paying, I'm, paying, the, I'm paying the picture of you. <laughs> okay. But um, so uh, I decided to apply for jobs. Yes. And I had worked at an awful supermarket, and that was probably the worst job uh, I had up what to that point. What did you do there? Oh, when you were a guy back then, you did everything. Now they don't allow you to do stock. They have people come in special for stock. Cashier, stock, carts outside, milk guy, and dairy guy rotating the... Really? Stock stock Uh, isn't done by grocery store employees anymore? Not anymore. I think they specialize it with a different crew. Huh. Interesting. Um, um, What else did I do? 
Oh, the fruits and veggies. I did every once in a while. I did everything. I was I was the utility player, getting paid five fifteen an hour doing all that stuff. Five fifteen, big fucking money. I'd love to work in the produce section. Anyways, yeah, great. Anyway, the guy who worked there was a dick. He was anyway. He's make fun of me or try to anyway. So, um, Suncoast came about because I had applied to uh, apply to Funko Land. They never got back to me. Sons of bitches. That was my dream job, Funko Land. Applied to Funko Land. I applied to Toys R Us which had a psychological survey test. Like, it was like, oh, do you ever steal anything? It was like, oh, should I answer truthfully or not truthfully? You know, it's one of those sort of things. Toys R Us didn't get, get back to me either for some reason. I would have been a great Toys R Us employee. Could have, mm. could have kept, kept the smock. So I, I, I thought about the mall. I thought about the movie theater. I don't, think I, I don't think I remember applying to the movie theater, but that would have been a great job. I should have done that. I don't think I applied with her. There's I, people who listen to us who uh, occasionally talk to me about like how they work at the movie theater and whatnot. It actually sounds like, I mean... Sounds fun. Sounds fun enough, yeah. I, but I did the next best thing. Right next to, inside the, inside the mall, was a movie theater, and then you had Suncoast movie, uh, Motion Picture Company mm-hmm. down there. Now, Suncoast, boys and girls, they still exist. There's about 10 left in the U.S. Really? But they used to have about, about 150 throughout the U.S. in malls. And they sold movies to you. Movies. VHS and DVDs. It's very sad that Suncoast doesn't bring up the store anymore is the first no, thing. No, it's not sad. Fuck Suncoast. It brings up Suncoast uh, Credit Union. So I applied. I got the job for whatever, five fifteen, five twenty five an hour. I remember the first day at the mall. Remember, I, my shaking knee, I put on about eh, 30 pounds in the past year because of my knee. Just starting to rehab, get better. Um, then... So, oh wait, was this was right after my knee surgery? This is the year after my knee surgery. That's right. So anyway, so I apply, I get the job. The first time they they I, I watched a fucking video, like an intro video in the little little back office area that was so small. And I'm like, okay, be friendly. Push their uh, movie club membership that they had. You know, you spent whatever five bucks a month or whatever, and you get ten percent off one of those sort of deals. So I, I start, and then uh, at the first, I thought, this is fine. You, you watch videos. But the people I worked with um, were, they, they ran it like it was a, like a real job. Like this was a strict job. Where this is serious. You're selling VHS tapes. Remember, this is like 2000. There's still mostly VHS tapes with, you know, there's maybe like a couple hundred DVDs in existence. The DVDs were just getting off the ground then. Remember the Fight Club one was a big one that had a lot of I've got bonus that features. one, yeah. That was, that was an early DVD. That was early. Yeah, I've got that. And the seven DVD the, is equally like, like impressive when you open it. DVDs like, start like 99, I think, or 98. Like that was like when DVD started. 99, 99. and I bought yeah. mine in, two, I bought my DVD player in 2000 sure. from Sears. And I went to Suncoast and bought all of the okay. Cowboy Bebop DVDs. So these are my superiors at Suncoast. I don't, I don't have memories of the people that worked alongside me. They're pretty quiet and chill. There was three three people that were my superiors. You had this uh, redheaded uh, about twenty one year old that I think worked at a, her family's bar on the side, and she was not pleasant. Uh, she was bossy. She had the big ring of keys. I'd close with her on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, you had uh, the cool dude made a little past his prime. He worked in the mall. But, you know, he's probably like. 25 26 he always bragged about his car he was a manager you know he he was a you know he was a a guy worked at suncoast for like four or five years he built himself up you already get the you already mm-hmm. get the image of him he was okay a little douchey and then you had the 17 year old who was somehow my manager somehow working with money even though she was underage and i'll get into her more in a second so suncoast days consisted of the following 
waiting for people to come into Suncoast because uh, for most of the days during the week, <laughs> no one walks in the mall yeah. at, at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. or 12. People don't come till the afternoon or evening. So those were the cool shifts. You had the, the, the first shift, like 10 to 4, that was easy versus you didn't want the Friday or Saturday night, you know, 4 to 10. 10 to 4, there was whatever. probably nothing to do but or, or Or 3 to 9, whatever it was. Um, so they would, uh, they would be playing some children's educational or children's programming on their TVs, no HD TVs yet. And you would, your days would be consisted of reorganizing and realphabetizing VHS sections. Ah. The issue, Ian, is that there's not a huge amount of different genres. So you do maybe two or three in a day. You'd expect those VHSs to be mostly in the same place two days later when you came back to work, three days later. But no. But no, because uh, the redheaded superior of mine thought it would be cute to keep me busy by testing me to rearrange, I don't know, say the sci-fi fantasy section and have me reorganize and realphabetize it, knowing full well I'd done it a few days before, and to test me she would take one or two videos out and change the place. So say that Planet of the Apes tape was in the D section today when I had just put it back there the week before. And total busy work, just to so you're not just doing nothing. But I was making five fifteen an hour driving to the mall to do this. It was with my within my right to just do nothing at Suncoast Motion Picture Motion Picture Company. And of so, which there are seven of. By there the are way. seven now. I, I just looked. I've actually got the the, the locations. <laughs> That's karma. So she would be bossy. She would say, you know, we need to fill up whatever popular VHS or DVD. Okay, put some more out. Okay, sure. I understand fill in stock. That's fine. Yeah. But to force someone to reorganize and realphabetize a section they had just literally done a few days before, before, and not ones that might be out of place, which you could find, but she would say, oh, she would check the specific one that she took out and did. It's Suncoast, man. It's at the mall. I'm just. It's just. I, I need. I need petty cash to pay uh, for my freaking uh, uh, freaking uh, geo prism. I need gas for my geo prism. Come on, <laughs> help me out. I'm 20 year old Pat coming off a of knee surgery here. Um, they would force you. I mean, really force you to push their membership program. Oh, I heard. I've heard. I heard that that was real bad. I mean, like they would like look over your shoulder. If you didn't do, would you like to be a member of the motion picture thing? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I think there wasn't a credit card. It was just a card, a membership card. 2000 seems to be a big year for that sort of stuff. Because um, that's when my one buddy worked at GameStop. And you lived or died based on your subscriptions. Yeah. So push that. I'm like, okay. And then I would be pretty good. I'd push it like half time. I'd try to read the person and see if they're friendly. Yeah, if if they were mean looking, I didn't want to push it. Yeah. Every once in a while you get surprised. But they would sit over your shoulder. The managers, the trio, there would be one or two of them there at the same time with an underling that they could boss around, like me. Um, and they would just look over your shoulder and be like, oh, you didn't, why didn't you push it? Oh, I don't know, next person. I didn't get a cut of pushing. I didn't get a cut. I wasn't, I didn't, didn't get a cut of the store profits. Yeah, it's not The managers did. They got a cut of the store profit, I believe, on some level. I didn't. So fuck you for making me push something to these people that just want to buy their freaking, I don't know, uh, Force Gump VHS tape and get out, or their Fight Club DVD. Uh, the the amount of theft shrink that went on sh- that that shrink. went <laughs> that went on in a store was nuts. So the best thing that people did was, um, and there were I think there were video cameras. I would see people literally walk over 
scary looking dudes walk over to the shelf and pick something up and say, I want to return this. And you were told not to get in their way. Let them basically steal free credit. Oh my God. <laughs> not to cause trouble. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. You want me to push these fucking memberships to make money. You're losing money by literally giving away credit to people that I could see take shit off the shelf. And you know that the reason why they keep doing it is because they haven't been stopped before. Because they're afraid of getting sued. They, yeah, they don't want to get into the legal aspect. But of if it. you don't have a receipt, for me, it was like, I don't, you know, so I, so I was like, all right, fine. Here's your fucking store credit. Get out. You know, even though I saw, you know, some scary looking dudes pick up like children's uh, anime sets or whatever. And then plop, and I'm like, I know you didn't buy that. Like, come on. Um, so the days were boring and they, they went on and on and on. It was what was the big children's uh, uh, program in the early 2000s? The, the worm. What the fuck was it called? What was it? I don't know. Blues Clues. Blues and, Clues. And and the fucking worm thing. Scotty Too Hotty? <laughs> what was the fucking worm children's thing? What the fuck was it called? I forget. I'm, I'm, I forget. But all right. So it gets worse, though. So they had a strict dress code. You had to wear solid black shirts. Okay. And black pants, too, if I remember correctly. I, I think you could have wore khaki pants. Oh, uh, okay. But... Or, or wait a minute, maybe I'm forgetting that. But you definitely had to have a black shirt. Sure. On. They didn't have like a they didn't have like a, a Suncoast shirt for you. Right. It was just a black yeah. uh, polo. Or yeah. Whatever. So one time, it was like a dark gray one. I came in with. Now the mall was like a 20 minute drive for me. Mm-hmm. I show up and it wasn't like a warning or anything. Um, the redhead sent me back home to put on a proper black shirt. Like I couldn't get, I couldn't skate with it. My fucking four hour shift where I'm literally me pocketing, 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 embed, pocketing 20 bucks. You can't <laughs> let me work in a dark gray shirt. You can't do that. You're going to, you're going to cut my balls off in front of the other employee. Okay. Cut my balls off. Do that. So I go home and I do that. That was a fun time. But the, probably the most uncomfortable was, um, the 17 year old just because, um, the 17-year-old, I think, took a fancy to me and uh, would comment on sometimes my tight shirts. And the reason it was creepy and not cool, well, it's, it's uh, well, sexual harassment is what's there between sexual harassment and flirting. You don't like it. Uh, not just that. She was, uh, well, totally unattractive. She was underage, too. She was the daughter of my fourth grade teacher. Oh, so, and she kind of looked like my fourth grade teacher, uh, because you know, the daughter. So th- it was not a pleasant experience to have comments made about me with all that thrown together when I'm making five fifteen an hour at Suncoast at the mall. Uh, it just wasn't, wasn't cool. A true, true salary. That's, uh... it, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool at all. So, um, it didn't happen all the time. It just happened like once a week and, she had the keys to all the money, though. But she was 17. That was not legal, Suncoast. You had to be 18 to handle the money and count it. I don't understand how you got away with that. She probably have been only 16, actually, now I think about it. But anyway, so Suncoast Blue, it was the worst job I ever had, worse than the supermarket. You know what the best job was? Working at the library at college. That was a cool job. Oh, yeah. It actually paid decent. I've always thought librarian uh, sounds like a great job, but I actually have a few friends who are librarians, and they all say it can be real fucking rough. <laughs> oh, so so this is how the story ends. It ends with um, me going back to college, 
And, you know, and I think they wanted me to give two weeks notice. Like, it's like, fuck you. I'm making five fifteen an hour at a mall job. I, I, I'll give you a, a day's notice. But they did, they did take away hours a couple times for me. Not that the money was huge, but it's like, you want spending money. And then I'll never forget this. They had the fucking balls, Ian. When I came back that December, when I came back from my nice college break, they had the fucking balls five months late, four months later to call me up, ask me if I wanted to come into work during <laughs> the busiest time of year at the mall at Suncoast. And they called me up as if I was going to say yes. Like, oh, yeah, I'll come in and work for 5 15 hours. After I had a horrible time, I basically hung up the phone. So did that do that justice? That was my terrible Suncoast working experience. <laughs> yeah, that sounds miserable. It was miserable. You, you take one of those factors out, it was just bad. You throw them all together, it was miserable. I think you did, you did get a 10% uh, or 15% uh, discount, employee discount. They had some weekends where you got like 25% offers. They had like a special thing like that. Mm. So, um, v- VHS tapes didn't have a DVD player yet, so I couldn't buy those. So, uh, yeah, that was my Suncoast experience. Was All good. right. Now visit a Suncoast in Dayton, Eastern North Carolina, <laughs> Eastern Texas, New York City area, Omaha, Portland and North. That's at the Lloyd. At the, uh, we, uh, we're we, going to go to the Lloyd. We, we're going to Suncoast at the Lloyd. We can, we can go visit Suncoast at the Lloyd this year. And then Southwest Ohio. Wow. So none of New Jersey is one in the New York City area? That, yeah. could, that could be northern New, New Jersey. York City, uh, Monmouth Mall. That's northern New Jersey. Eaton, That's yeah, New Jersey. Town, New Jersey. Okay, so yeah. not my mall, but okay. I hope that dude with this cool Trans Am already had it was like, bro, yeah, I'm pulling in thirty a year working at Suncoast as a as a, a manager or regional manager. Where the fuck he was. People like that, they do good for the rest of their lives. Oh yeah, they're not just you know <laughs> living in a shit house now <laughs> with a wife that they don't love and eight kids. Okay. Uh is that it? You want to do a Q&A, Ian? No, that's it. How long have we been recording here? I don't like even know. two hours. Been two hours? We had a couple long segments. Yeah. I guess. It's been a good one. Been a good one. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be at uh, Long Island. Long, long Island, baby! Island. Strong, strong Island, Ian. That's right. I'm excited about it. Um, that's August 10th and 11th, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Come out and see Patrick and I, but also come out and see the wonderful Frank Cifaldi. Uh... Who else is going to be there? They get the website. Oh, 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 um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, my life in gaming with Corey and try, um, hit me with some others. Go to expo. Dot mm-hmm. You're going to have, um, guest speakers, cosplay, museum, musical guests. Of any vine sauce, I think is one of them. Uh, I believe, well, he's local. It would, uh, don't want to say, uh, you're going to have Leonard Herman there from oh, Jersey. That's right, Leonard. You're going to have the Modern Vintage Gamer. You're going to have Retronauts and Vinny, my pal Vinny from Vine Sauce, yeah, will be there. I felt like that was safe. I'm pretty sure you had mentioned that yeah, later. Yeah, he's within driving. He's in yeah. Staten Island. He's, it's not too, too far away. And then I'll be at Missouri Game Con the week before that. We're going to have a lot of cool folks there. So it's going to be a lot, a lot of cool folk. A lot of cool folk. A lot of cool folk. Yeah, maybe we'll go to, we might go to a convention in November. We'll see about that. We'll see about that one. I'll be at the Missouri Game Con at mlgamecon.com at Saturday, August 3rd. I'll also be at Too Many Games. As someone tries to call me. Got a lot more, more weird calls lately. Too many games. Stop it. Too many games is June 21st to 23rd. Go to too many games.com for more information there. And then, uh, yeah, a certain SNES guidebook. You can pre order it. UltimateSNES.com. I'm starving, Ian. I'm going to have a Flex Pro meal. Are you? Are we going to do some streaming a little quick after this? No, I have to go home and clean. <clears throat> clean? Yeah, the place is a. 
Place is a mess. I wouldn't know. I, I wasn't there. Uh, but you were invited. I was so. halfway invited. Come, so have you, a, come have a beer, I think Ian said. Uh, because at that point, you had already said, essentially, you weren't coming over. The day before, I said, hey, we have people coming over. I will let you know. Just come over. You said 3 o'clock. Yes. Then I texted you at 3. Yes. And you said that uh, we're not, no one's here yet. I, I just yeah, you said lunch. if people were uh, grilling yet. And I said no, probably in about an hour or two. You were invited. I'm just you annoyed. skated I, your stuff away. I just wanted to see Thomas, and, and you didn't let me know Thomas was here. I'm annoyed. You would have I'll, came I'll, over. I'll, I'll like take you it said, up. Oh, yeah, okay, so, so, so surprised that a guy from L.A. might be at your place. He's not in L.A. He comes down a lot. Where is he? At? Not L.A.? No. Where is he? Yeah, I mean, he's not close, but he's R- not Riverside? Uh, Orange County? I think, like, Orange County-ish. He's, like, two hours away. Hour two hours is L.A. Well, hour, hour and a half is, like, Anaheim. Maybe, like, Anaheim-ish? <laughs> Oceanside's, like, 50 minutes. All right, that's it. We're doing a podcast, right? Is it done? It's done. All right, we're done. It's finished. We'll see you next time. Finish.